welcome to episode 82 of the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. We're another week down. We've got a slightly um, aggravated lineup of uh, of My Fancy Zamboni panelists today, shall we say? Uh, we'll start with the good news. The good news is that for the first time in three episodes, we are joined once again by a full roster. Um, Greth has managed to find time in his busy schedule to fit us in for once, uh, and he's not asleep. So that's a, that's a good thing. Uh, Andy's managed to join us at the start of the podcast this week, so we're not going to have some uh, unexpected arrivals partway through the podcast. Um, yeah, gents, Griff, we'll start with you. It's been a few weeks, mate. How have you been? It's been good. I've been nursing my injury. That's why I was on injury reserve. You know. Well, we heard, we heard that you'd uh, tested positive for a banned substance in your asthma inhaler, mate. Yeah, I apparently did, but I'm fighting the case. I've got a good lawyer. He's in Birmingham. I knew you were going to say that. Just can't help yourself, can you? <laughs> On that note, um, Andy, how are we doing today, mate? Uh, a bit gutted, to be honest with you. A bit annoyed, frustrated, tired as well. No, I've got to go for work tomorrow. Uh, but uh, I'm getting there. How are you, Joe? I'm not too bad, mate. I'm, I'm sharing in the disappointment. Um, I think we all probably had the same thing. I mean, uh, we'll address the elephant in the room straight away. We were all supposed to be going to Belfast tomorrow, um, and it's obviously now not happening. The games were postponed. Uh, I think the four of us were all kind of in the same page of thinking it was just a trip too far a week before Christmas without that motivation of having a game to go to. So, uh, yeah. I shared a disappointment, mate, but other than that, you know, we're we're going strong. I'm able to attend my work's Christmas do instead tomorrow, so every cloud. Or something like that, anyway. Uh, last but not least, Dave. How are you doing, mate? Same as Andy, but I get to share a couple hours with you guys. So not all's bad. Um, now he said that, I, don't, I don't wish I went here now. Um, no, jokes aside. Um, Dave has left the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Dave's left the WhatsApp group. Um, yeah, we're here. We're, um, it's been before Christmas. Shame there's no ho- uh, hockey in Belfast, but we'll make do's. Um, just to finish off on the, uh, the elephant in the room, kudos to EasyJet for simple change of flights to allow us to move the flights to March when... Theoretically, Sheffield should be playing in Belfast again. And that will have the whole of the MFZ group over there. So, fingers crossed. 85 days, only because the app said how many days till the flight. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, but apart from that, yeah, we're, we're, I'm off. So, I'm, I'm not working tomorrow. Um, so, kind of lying. He says when he's getting up to watch the cricket. Just the one line, Joe. Just the one. Is it? I've had the two lines. I've managed to uh, cancel my holiday day, but that's because it's the, the way to do. So I only have to work for three hours tomorrow. So, um, yeah, it's not too bad. Uh, one thing I will say, Dave, you say about uh, EasyJet allowing us to change the flights, and uh, I have to agree, it was, a, uh, it was really nice to be able to change them without any fee or anything like that. There was one moment where you just get that bit of excitement when you see the EasyJet app saying you're flying out tomorrow and returning on the 13th of March, which is <laughs> just like, OK, I'm having like a three-and-a-half-month holiday. Um, but, yeah. It's uh, no, that's good. It is good. If it's been a three and a half month holiday, it would be somewhere like Prague and not Belfast, only because of the cost. 
of um, hydration in Prague is a lot less than it is in Belfast. That's true. I think we could do a bit of travelling. We... <laughs> Just bounce from place to place. Uh, anyway, that's a pipeline dream, particularly with COVID in the way at the moment, so we'll, we'll swiftly move along with that one. Um, yeah, we've had some hockey, boys. This is a hockey podcast, and uh, yeah, we've had some hockey. What a surprise. Uh, we'll just run through the fixtures very swiftly. I don't know, Dave, to be honest. <laughs> just... Have we had some hockey? We've had some hockey. Um... God, on. I don't know what's going on. Can we start again? <laughs> no. <laughs> Too late. Um, now, Saturday, the Dundee Stars beat the Glasgow Clan 5-2. The Panthers beat the Flames 5-2. Uh, the Giants beat the Flyers 3-1. Storm narrowly lost out to Devils 3-2 in overtime. And the Steelers beat the Blaze 3-1. Sunday, you had the Clan beating the Flames 4-3. Uh, the Giants getting a hefty win over the Panthers 7-2. Uh, the Blaze lost 5-1 at home to the Steelers. The Flyers lost 5-1 at home to the Storm for the Storm's first away win of the season. Um, I'm not sure you should celebrate that, mate, on week 12. And the Devils lost 2-1 to the Stars in Cardiff, so probably the, the most shocking of the results. I'll, I'll throw it straight out, boys. What, what, what's this, what, what is going on? I honestly don't know. Just pick, just go for your scores, and we'll just I'll pick up in a minute. Good to see that someone's organised, isn't it? Aren't sixes and sevens today, mate, to say the least. Never mind. I'm going to Dundee in Cardiff. We mentioned last week that they needed to get some scalps to really build on what they've done. And there's no bigger scalp at the moment than Cardiff in Cardiff. Uh, Benson with two goals um, and Teacox with the one uh, for Cardiff. Um, but a big result in the league. Um, and another loss for the Devils. And they're starting to... Picked them up at a bit of a pace so far. A um, bit worrying if he was a Devils fan. And I'm not saying it as a, a Steelers fan who may have smirked at that result, but given that they want a title run, you know, they want to try and stop the, the Giants' three-peat, um, and the, uh, the losses are building up for the Devils, and it's not, it's not looking good. Um, but well done, Dundee. Uh, that, was my, uh, that result was my highlight of the weekend. Mine was obviously the 5-1 winning five. No. Surprise, I know. I'm glad you're all sat down. Shock. The only reason that came as a shock, Gref, is because you've not been on for three weeks and people forgot what you were like. (laughs) (laughs) I like to throw a curveball every now and then. (laughs) Austin Albrecht got our first goal, and then Zach Sullivan, he scored a goal. Ben Wilson, everybody's favourite GB defenseman, Dallas Earhart scored, and Taylor Thompson scored. Uh, I think he's a new guy for five, or played seven games so far. First goal for him, Colton Waltz. He scored for five. Nice to actually get a win away from home for a change. Uh, mine is from, I believe it was Sunday, um, games between Glasgow and Guildford, finished 4-3 to Glasgow. Uh, goals from Southam and Jones in the first period for Glasgow, and then a response from Jamal Watson for Guildford uh, at the end of the first. Uh, in the second period, it's Cotton Yellowhorn, 
great name by the way. Um, still extending their lead to three one uh, for Glasgow. Not as good as Booker Boom. No, no, but he he he's not on here yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Chris Gary then brought one back for the Guildford to make it three two. Nolan Laporte uh, extending Glasgow's lead to four, and then a late response uh, from Jake Bolton. Uh, one guy I was very uh, intrigued about uh, and thought was doing pretty well in the league so far, so it's another, it's another point for him and uh, doing good. But yeah, uh, a good game between between the two two teams. Yeah, mine is Belfast v Nottingham, 7-2 win for the Giants. Uh, goals for the Giants were from Soy, Rain, uh, two goals from Hook, three goals from Conway. Uh, also, Picnic or Picnic, as uh, Andy said last week, uh, getting a hand on five out of the seven goals for the Giants, five points from that game. Uh, the Panthers' goals were scored by Jeremy Welsh and Matthew Lane. Just an out and out. You know, we, we've said this about Belfast. The game against Sheffield was an anomaly. That's the only time that we've seen them so far. We've said against Belfast before that they are a team that, that are coming to play every every game. And they've done it again. I mean, was it a 6-0 win against Glasgow the other week? Then they're getting a 7-2 win against Nottingham. I think this is one of the bigger ones. I mean, the Panthers haven't had the best of results over the last couple of weeks, but you kind of went in expecting them to have a stronger result against uh, against the Giants than that. But, um, yeah, a decent game between those two by the looks. Uh, obviously, both guys getting the upper hand. And, uh, yeah, not much more to say to that. Did Panther. you go home sad, Joe? You what? Did you go home sad? Because you got beat by five goals. Was it Sunday or Saturday? It was Sunday. No, Sunday I couldn't move, mate. I was literally sat, like, wondering why I played some parts of the tournament. So, <laughs> no conga lines, though. No conga lines. Not yet. But I, no. I did say when we played the tournament, if I scored, I'd get that we'd do a conga line. But when I scored, it wasn't the right time. So, um... Yeah, no, but anyway, back to the game. 7-2 winning for the Giants. Um, great result for them. Constantly reminding everybody that they're a threat. And uh, as a Steelers fan, I think that's the biggest thing going into the weekend for us. Um, I don't know about you, Dave. I, I quite happily would have taken a split result from the weekend. I'd have taken the first game win and the second game loss um, just to kind of take it as 1-1. I, I'd agree. I think the pressure was on the Giants. Um, they needed to get three points minimum from the weekend just because of the, the gap that's been created by Sheffield. Sheffield, it's a bizarre one because you go into some weekends kind of wanting the four points, but actually, as long as they got a win or two points in regulation, uh, overtime apologies, they've been actually quite a good weekend for the Steelers. But, excuse me, um, definitely, you know, the pressure was on Belfast to have got more to kind of really reduce the gap that's been starting to be built by the Steelers. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think that's the biggest thing now. You look at the deficit that, or the, the gap that the Steelers have built up in the league so far, and I think on, on certainly on Belfast and Cardiff's mind at the moment, is keeping that to a minimum because the further up they get before Christmas or before the, before the new year, the more and more difficult it's going to get for them in the latter half of the year. Um. Anything else on, on games over the last week, gents, or are we good to move on to the next thing? I'm not hearing any uh, any objections or suggestions, so we'll move on to the next thing. Um, 
Next thing we've got, no surprise, every week we seem to be talking about these at the moment. We've got Dops. Uh, so we will start with, well, pretty much in chronological order. Uh, the first one that I have got is Brandon McNally suspended for two games uh, on Wednesday night's game in Dundee. Um, essentially just lost it, saw red. Um, looks to me to have been triggered by getting himself a 10-minute misconduct from the referee. You see the referee go for the, the hips, and then that's it. It's just um, He just loses it, goes off on a rampage. Uh, fan gets involved as well. Just a, just a huge... Just a huge screw-up, gents. I'll throw it over to you guys, see what you've got to say. For me, there's this two parts that it needs to be separated and it'll make sense. I think the two games for the on-ice stuff is fair enough. Um, you know, the continuation after being thrown out, um, you, you know, you should have... should have... Um, sorry, my apologies. Just left the... Uh, I've gone to box or gone to the, the dressing room. He hasn't. He's carried on. He's tried in, engaging in more altercations. So for me, two games for that bit, it's probably about right. Um, although two games seems to be the doctor's favourite number. Um, I have to be honest, looking at the doctor's report, even though he hasn't actually hit the fan that got in, uh, went to, be, to engage with, with McNally, the fact that he went towards it and was happy to engage, how on earth that's not got anything, if I'm brutally honest, I don't know. Given that, and I appreciate that Matt Nicholson actually hit a fan or went to hit a fan, got something like 20 games, something stupid like that, and we've not, in the report, there's nothing there to say that. I, I just find that um, a bit of a miss. So that's the bit that kind of separates it, the off-ice bit. Um, fair play, Dundee has been fine and warned for allowing the fans to get that close. No issue with that. Um, but for McNally, it's kind of just said, you know, okay, fine. I mean, don't get me wrong. If a fan wants to get involved that much, then let him, you know, let the player you know, uh, tell them that it's an unwise decision. But from previous um, discussions over the years for engagement with the fans, not as hockey needs to do, um, I'm, I'm surprised and I'm disappointed that Dops hasn't... Um, Gave more of a levy to McNally for that. So if it was just and there was nothing, there were no fan part involved. I think two games is probably about right because there is a bit of a fan for me. That I'm, I'm disappointed that it's only two. You say Ed Nickerson even tweeted after they put out the <laughs> yeah said, "Are you sure you're not missing out on another twenty? It's like yeah, it can see. It has been dropped there. I mean, there was a fair few tweets from people that have been in the league before. They're now not doing other sports. Tweets saying, well, you dropped the ball there. That's a horrendous decision. For the fighting part, yeah, he's just lost his head. Even, like, started with, like, a, a little hook. If you're... If, if that's you, you just look at him and go, what on earth is that? You're an idiot. Skate off. But I'm assuming because his team was down, he was getting frustrated about his, probably about his gameplay. He's just lost his head. The fact that he's gone to hit someone in the back of the head, it's like, come on now. What are you doing? 
even Moss is still down, still throws punches. Like, you're an idiot even more. And it's just, even to carry on when he's going off the ice, it's just it's insanely stupid. And then obviously the Dundee fan, bit of an idiot, throwing a bottle of, I think it was a bottle of Coke, someone said on, on Twitter. And it's like, it surely must have cost you, what, two quid? Maybe a little bit more? It's like, that's a bit of a waste of money. Good for me, it wasn't a pint, but even worse. Taking the incident with the fan aside, um, you know, just the continuous punches for no reason. I, I don't understand what what was going through his head with that. Um, for me, that definitely served more, more than two. He's been out like an absolute idiot. I mean, he used to deserve a whole lot more than that. Two games is not enough, I mean, personally. Uh, three or four, maybe. But <laughs> two just seems to be a magic number right now with Dops and... Uh, you know, it's it, it, it's mostly the incidents that are happening. They're just not being looked at properly, I don't think. And sort of comparing a lot of them to each other, really, by handing out this same amount of bands. But, you know, this is where it needs to be different for each one on severity. But, you know, and this is why Doc's been so active recently. Is that players feel like getting away with it. Oh, it's, it's OK, you know, it's two games, it's nothing. So it's it's not really discouraging that behaviour, and it's most active I've seen Dops in uh, in a short space of time for quite a while. So yeah, definitely serve more bans. Um, I hope the fan gets banned as well. Obviously, there's no need to throw a beer bottle on the ice. I mean, who does that, especially a referee? What's the point? Uh, it's just stupid. So hope hope um, you get something as well for for that. Cause that's not on. Absolutely not on at all. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's not much more to say about this, boys. <clears throat> the key thing is, I think the key headline on this one is Dops dropped the ball again. Um, we have been critical of them. I think there's been a couple of times this season where we've said they've got it about right. Uh, we might have that conversation later on. Who knows? We've got two more incidents to review yet. But I just I can't see this. I mean, we we all kind of grep your side as, as as not being able to do the last the last episode, but we discussed this on the last podcast. It had happened on the last podcast pre-Dops review, and, and we played Guess the Ban. And I, Andy, I think you hit the nail spot on. I think you said you can see a two-match ban. If memory, you either said a one or a two-match ban, but it was solely on the premise of how pathetic Dops had been today. Um, I mean, for me, this is five-game minimum. Um, and that's on the basis of, you know, the, the roughing incidents alone... I'd be saying one or two games for the punches thrown whilst the guy was on the ice. Not really bothered about the rest of it. I mean, you could make the argument that the referee's given him a 10 already, he should be making his way off the ice, but quite happy to say a one or a two-match ban for that. Realistically, to me, it looks like he makes... I don't know if anybody else has watched the video and, and disagrees with me. Feel free to, to shout up. But for me, it looks like he hits the ref. I, I, I've watched the video multiple times, and I'm sure at least one of the punches that he throws hits the official in the in the ribs. Which, by the same logic of of uh, David Broll's ban earlier in the season, is a three match ban because he's hitting the ref in the cause of trying to trying to get further into to continue in an altercation. 
So to me, that's a three-match ban. And then, I mean, the, the extra the extra hit on the extra Dundee players he's skating off, maybe an extra ban, probably not. But then I, I'm sure that you're looking at an extra ban for the fact that he wanted to actually engage with the fan. I mean, were it not for the fact that the Devils players stepped in, and I think it was a Devils fan that stepped in that stopped the fan from coming down and, 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 and inter, you know, intervening, I, I think we'd have been seeing a fan fight. I genuinely think if, if no one had got involved, McNally was more than up for that. And I just, I just can't see how the league can turn a blind eye to the fact that he was willing to go. He should ever have have to have been held back from, you know, like you know, having an altercation with a with a fan. That should have been him going, you know. He should have walked past. Look at this guy, what an idiot! Into the changing room. He should, this, this should have been no hint of him getting involved with that fan, regardless of what he's done. Um, the bit that I do like is on the Dobbs review, obviously they say effective immediately, uh, Cardiff Devils 74, Brandon McNally is fined and suspended for two games, obviously like we say not enough, following on from this incident, Dundee Stars will be investigated by EIHL Hockey Operations and work to ensure similar incidents involving spectators and items being thrown onto the playing surface are not repeated well, I'm sure that investigation is going to go well to stop uh, an arena full of fans from throwing things on the ice if they want to. I mean, we've seen that happen in the NHL many a time. If we want to go look to Islanders when Tavares first came back into the building, I think Philly did it at one point. I don't know if, if there was someone from Philly that, that passed away and they had those light-up wristbands that, I'm sure it was Philly, had light-up yeah. bands that were lighting up at a certain point in memory. And they started pelting those on the players when they started losing the game. It happens. I don't understand what investigation they're going to do. They're going to watch the it video. Is, oh, okay, you threw a bottle of an example of extremity. When me and Griffith at the World Champs in Slovakia played Canada, the last minute of that Slovakia-Canada game took five minutes to play because of the amount of items that was thrown on the ice by the Slovakians because they conceded late in the game. Yeah. This is one bottle. Now, you don't want to see that happen, but it's one bottom. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a phone call. Dundee, can you sort yourselves out? Make sure it happens. Yeah, no worries. EHL, we'll do it. Done, does it. And do you know what? If that's the case, do you know? Fine. It's on record. Dundee are going to sort it. If they don't and they've not been able to control their fan base, then it goes further and that's then a different kettle of fish. But for one bottle... And I'm not saying it's right, don't get me wrong. There's no way you should throw any items on the ice. Um, Unless it's a teddy bear toss. Of course. <laughs> the teddies are allowed out on the ice. But bottles, shirts, coins, hats. Hats are fine, a hat trick, but you know, items should not be thrown on the ice. End of. I just think it's just like ticking a box. Following on from this incident, they'll be investigated for it. It's like, oh, we've got to say something about that, so we'll just tick a box. You're going to tick a box, then make sure you tick a box by giving the appropriate suspension for what's happened first. Like, but we've seen that so many times, in our opinions, that it hasn't happened. Yeah, true. So. True. Um, I mean, the one thing Gref highlighted on this one is that the YouTube video is uh, is quite clearly so graphic that it's, uh, it's age-restricted and not and only available on YouTube um, if you try and view it on the actual <laughs> on the webpage. So... Always nice to uh, to see that our game's getting so dramatically violent that, that YouTube are restricting who can view it. That family sport, yeah? Family, family sport. 
Enter Captain Ding Dong. Um, <laughs> we all miss Captain Ding Dong. Oh, we very much miss Captain Ding Dong. Um, have we got anything else to add on Brendan McNally? No. No problem. Next one that we have. Suspect it might be another one that we don't think was enough. We'll wait and see. Ben Lake suspended two games for kneeing in the game against Coventry Blaze on the 8th of December. Ball dropped again. The video that the league put out for the incident, how they've decided that only two is, is baffling. We've seen numerous knee-on-knee collisions which are blatantly accidental this season or previous. I've been given a lot more suspension because of the potential for a knee-on-knee collision to actually end a guy's career. For me, and I know we discussed it, Joe, and, and, and what the point says is very much in agreement with yours, he's lined up the hit. The, the, ben Lee's lined up the player and he's lined up with his knee. There's a, there's, you know, for me, intent there. So how you go, you go two games, again, the Elite League's magic number, I do not know. Of all the ones that they've bodged up, the PC-friendly uh, terminology we'll use, it's probably the worst one for me that they've done. And I, I just... I, I'd say, I, I'd not see... I know you, I think Greffy was one who saw it or seen the highlight of it and, like, guys did he see this. And I'd not seen it until the... The video for suspension, and I'm like, wow, this is just a bad, a bad one. And for me, ain't the butt dropped up the ball. But it's kind of another example of Department of Player Safety. Whose safety are they actually looking after? Because where's the deterrent? And I mean, I think what will happen is that someone will make sure that Ben Lake answers the bell. And it's going to go from from bad to worse. Where the league could have gone, you know, we're going to give it an appropriate suspension. And the players may have gone, yeah, you know what, mate? You may have to, to fight for that one, but it wouldn't be as bad as this. And I just think it's a, an almighty uh, mess up, shall we say. Very PC. Very. Because <clears throat> I'd go with a big mess up as well. You're looking at the, the video. He's going straight in to hit, throw the hit. You know straight away what he's going to do. You can see how he's skating and strides. You just look at it and you go, all right, he's going in for a hit. What's he like doing? Oh, that's why he's like out. You're like, come on. You, you should know a lot better than that. I mean, you've played hockey for pretty much most of your life. You know, that's that's not something you want to do in the game. You you could either end the guy's career, seriously injure them, or even worse, if it goes horribly wrong, you're gonna injure you're gonna injure yourself pretty heavily. To which you could be out for six months if you need surgery for a stupid move by yourself. I don't think two games is enough. Definitely not. Two really is the magic number, isn't it? <sighs> um, yeah, my take on it is he's definitely left that leg out for a reason. 
100% because he's, he's already set in that position. Uh, and he's definitely going in, in, into the path of, of, of Thompson. And you can see Thompson sort of trying to avoid it because he turns his body right back to the blue line. And to, he, he tries to avoid it. And, and, and you can see that um, Lake definitely puts his elbow to try and go for the shoulder. But he misses spectacularly. But he's still got a leg out. Now, if he hadn't got that leg out, it'd be a completely different ball game. Completely different at all, because it either clipped him with his arm or missed him completely. But, yeah, again, it's leaving that leg out. It can be very dangerous. And uh, obviously we saw Thompson leave the game uh, straight after that. Uh, hopefully it's not too bad. It's about to an injury. But, uh, yeah, you know, every time you leave that leg out, something bad's going to happen. You know, when you're the opposition player and your eyes are on that put, but you see in the corner of your eye that someone's coming towards you, yeah, you try to get out of the way, but you're never going to see, you're not always going to see that leg, and there's nothing you can do about it but go into it. And that's the responsibility of the other player to, you know, it, it, it's a physical sport, It's a it can be a violent sport, but, you know, we all don't want to get injured, and, and then, at the end of the day, um, not pay massively to do what they're doing in in this league. They still have to have, you know, probably jobs during the week as well, or they've got a family and stuff like that. But you know, it's it's just what you got to think about because obviously doing that is it's going to really impact on players differently over here to what it will be over in North America. And uh, it's just it's just silly, basically, just silly and and. Didn't think about his actions, so yeah, two games definitely far too lenient for me. And I could see four in that hundred percent. This is just the thing. I mean, for me, we talk about how much they drop the ball, and this is this is just <sighs> for different reasons. They've seriously dropped the ball on this one. I mean, for for the McNally incident, the the, the impact on the league in terms of the PR that we get from from seeing a player potentially going with a fan, a player going off on one like that anyway. You know, we were only talking about the uh, the KHL game the other day where it happened. Uh, it was a bit, I can't remember who it was between our starner and someone else. You know, we, we talk about that. That makes worldwide news because of how much a player goes off on one. Now, we, we were probably short of that, but the PR is the issue for the McNally incident as much as anything else. The, the, the Lake incident is just crazy. It's the, it's, there's not even any mention as to the, the potential for injury. There's not really any mention for the injury that actually comes out of it. I mean, from what from what we've heard, from what I've heard anyway, when we were playing Coventry over the weekend, we played them home and away, and Thompson was on crutches for the entire weekend. You know, that could be his season done. That, that could be, he could have done an MCL, he could have done his ACL, he could have completely blown out his knee. And the first thing is they don't mention even remotely how bad the hit could have been. The second thing is they focus all about how it's important to note that he's in control of the play and that he was attempting to make a full body check. What they don't focus on at all is if you're trying to make a full body check, why are you loading the knee up so heavily? If he's trying to make a full body check, his shoulder should be the first principal point of contact. It shouldn't be his knee. When his knee's loaded, even if he'd have made contact with his shoulder, he'd have still hit knee first. I, he, I just don't understand this at all. And like you say, Andy, it is. It's two games. 
It's like Dops have got like one thing in front of them. It's like if it's a minor incident, we'll give a game. If it's a major incident, it's two games. Job done. That's easy. Well done, everyone. I just I can't get over this one at all. As you remember, flashback to the time when Ben Lake was a valuable player that played for Coventry and, and was one of the top point scorers in the league. I, I wouldn't have ever believed that we'd be seeing a point in a game where he was leading up with a knee like that. And Andy, like you, like you said, any player who's loaded up for a knee like that is he's, he's, he's missing a few brain cells because all it takes is for him to get the, the bad side of the hit. All it takes is for him to hit a player that's actually prepped for that contact or for his knee to jar as he makes that contact. And that's his season done. That's him not going to Finland this year to go and play for GB. Simple as that. Compare that just out, just just as a as a point of reference. Controversial hit this year, controversial ban this year. That too much ban for Ben Lake, which quite possibly has just ended Hamannick's Hamannick's. I've given the game away now, so I've just read it. That too much ban, which quite possibly could have ended, um, you know, Thompson's season. Quite possibly could end his career, depending on how bad he was. It's the same amount of games that was given for Justin Hamannick for his hit on uh, on Josh Waller. The hit that was given solely because the puck went past Waller and Hamannick thought he got the puck when he loaded up for the hit. That was a shoulder-to-chest hit that was made in an unfortunate situation when the puck went past the player. This is a loaded-up knee-on-knee contact with quite a lot of intent behind it, and that's even the same. To me, that's it. That tells you what you need to know. Um, have we got anything else on this one? No? Okay, boys. Last one for Dops, which I think we'll be happy to say. Um, can't get over how unflattering the picture of Barry Brust is that they caught on all of these things. Um, Barry Brust suspended for one match for roughing in the Saturday night game, Steelers versus Coventry Blaze. Off you go, boys. About right. Um, use of the blocker. Um, traditionally, as goalies, we're told not to because you get a match penalty. I believe that has changed now. But the fact that it was ignoring the play that led to him doing that, um, he's gone for the retaliation. It, the retaliation hit has been towards the upper body head area using the blocker. This was an absolute gimme for Dops to do. Um, one game, done dusted. Um, I, I, I liked how some Sheffield fans questioned, but what about the hit on Brust that caused it in two separate incidents in terms of who were looking after which bit? The referee should have called it, but however, Dops was looking at this particular one where the blockers use. So I, I had no problem with the uh, the one game suspension. Um, fine for me. It's you've hit it spot on, and you can't really say anything more. It's like you've used your blocker. Everyone knows use your blocker. It's at least a game. There's not really much I can say, really. Most of us know about Russ's style, and 
is is a very aggressive goalie. What one one opposition player gets under his skin, he loses it. Uh, we've all found that recently with his uh, challenging Caruth and offering the whole Cardiff uh, bench out. That was that was absolutely hilarious, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, with, with this one, yeah, definitely the, the play should have been called for that. Hundred percent goal interference. I believe it was Kilowati, was it? Kilowati, yeah. Yeah, Kilowati. Um, yeah, definitely should have been called for goal interference. It wasn't, and unfortunately, it happened. You, you, you know, these calls do go missed. But to be honest with you, in the first place, it shouldn't be the duty of the goalie to retaliate. It should be the players who saw it that should be protecting Brust. And, and they should have challenged Kivalati and given him a few shoves. You know, just to see it in, in, in most scenarios, you know. Uh, certainly, certainly in the NHL playoffs, if, if one player touches their goal, no, nothing's called. You can expect the whole absolute line that's out there to be challenging him. So it shouldn't be down to Brust in the first place, but we know what sort of character he is. And to ask with you, it's not you know, 100% surprising. How he did it, yeah, it was a bit silly. Uh, definitely got the, blo- the, the blocker, and uh, especially with the, the start of the stick yeah. up high. I mean, no, it's got, it, he's like a wedge sort of shape, isn't it? So uh, that, that could definitely injure or has that effect to do that. So... It was a, it was a silly thing from Brust, you know, to, to do it like that. I completely understand his anger and frustration, but again, it's a very uh, obviously delicate part that he was aiming for with his stick and blocker. So yeah, one game is absolutely right by me, and to be honest with you, uh, didn't affect or, or doesn't affect him much. Effort. You know, they got two capable goalies in in Brust and Stojanovic, so. Not a massive loss. I don't think he'd, he'd, he'd have played the return game in Coventry anyway. So uh, you know, I suppose it was it, it was a game that I, I suppose that you know didn't really mean mean a lot to him. Didn't mean a lot to the team. It wasn't a massive loss. So you know, um, game's about right. I think uh, they served it, and you know, just hopefully in the future, he, either the if he does that in the future, uh, hopefully the player step in this time, or you know, we. we Brust does it in in a manner that is it's not uh, quite as dangerous as that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, Andy, you've hit the, the first nail on the head for me. There is that someone should have stepped in and, and done something about it. I don't care what kind of contact there is on the goalie. You don't touch the goalie. Everyone knows that rule. Every player on the ice should know that rule. Whether it's whether it's Brust's players that should have stepped in, or whether it was uh, Kivalati that was making the contact. So that's straight away. And I have to say, it's poor man, poor game management from the referees at the time as well, particularly knowing what Brust was like. I appreciate that they can't get involved with it, but if there's any point where you're going to blow the whistle for a man in the crease, because essentially he was to make the contact, or you blow the whistle to call a two-minute um, you know, embellishment penalty on Brust, if that's what you're trying to say, you knew what was going to happen. And the second I saw Bruss getting up in my head, I've got two things going through my head. The first thing was, oh no. And the second thing was, it's him. Because I wanted to see it. Because as a hockey fan, that was quite amusing to watch. Um, do I, I don't know. I, to me, it was a slight overreaction on the contact. When you watch it, the playback, the contact was minimal. It doesn't matter in terms of the, the size of the contact on the goalie in terms of to draw a penalty. It was goalie interference any day of the week. He skated across the paint, made contact and caused the fall. The referee was quite quite clearly 
gesture into the players to suggest that he thought Brust had embellished it. So if he thought that, why was embellishment not called? Simple as that. So either way, we're missing a penalty there. So either way, we're already seeing the inadequacy of the referee in that situation. As I say, the, the reaction, slight overreaction to the level of contract, contact. Do I think that Brust kind of thought, you know what, sod this, they're not going to need me tomorrow anyway, let's just, let's just go for it. Probably did. Andy, I think you're right. He was never going to play the game in Coventry anyway. Um, my, in my head, I kind of thought straight away he used the blocker and I thought maybe the ref should have called that as a match ban just because of the use of the blocker. So match game, game ban for me, absolutely spot on. Not really much more to say to that. Like you guys have already said, it didn't affect Sheffield. We conceded two goals in two games over the weekend, so not a shabby weekend for us. And, uh, you know, Stojanovic is capable of standing on his head. We've seen that. So do I think that was in Brust's head? If Brust was the only goalie or only starting goalie that we got, do I think he would have done it? Probably not. He knew that he was expendable for that next game and he took a chance that he wasn't going to get kicked out of that game, I think. It kind of reminded me of Garth Snow a bit. Yes. Mm. But yeah, just just bizarre. I, it's just a weird situation. And like I said, I just can't get over the inadequacy of the refs in that situation. So to not to not call anything, to not call the say the embellishment, a man in the crease, anything, just to get that play stopped. Because it was obvious what he was going to do. And I know that the referee can't blow the whistle and then turn around to the commentary players and say, sorry, he was about to hit him. I'll use your head. You know, like you said, Joe, you could have just gone, man in the crease, stop the play. There you go. Yeah. Goalies down after contact. Even if you're not going to call the penalty, you blow the whistle to say, you know, what would have happened if Coventry got the, got the, got the puck just past the blue line, fired it on net and put it in while he was on the floor? There's no way that would have been a, would have been a legal yeah. goal. And the one thing I'll, I'll chuck in there is... I, pre- I understand and appreciate what you're saying in terms of the expandability of, of Brust because of Stanovich. If, as a goalie, if you had the contact, your focus won't be on... It'll be, A, what the, has just happened there. Process, the player's just gone to me. You're going to go back. Natural mm-hmm. reaction. Um, and we've seen it ourselves um, from myself. In, in, in playing hockey, you go, when you've been bumped and you go... No, no, no. It's like, and you, you, I think you've got it a couple of times. Like, no, David, it was, you know, accidental. But the goalie reaction will be, mm. oh, okay, no one's going in. Oh, yeah. Is no one else going to go? Well, then let's get involved. Let's have some fun with this one, boys and girls. So that again, it adds to the point you're saying in terms of the referee could have get, kind of gone, knowing the type of goalie and the style of goalie that we've got here. Do you know what? That's just happened. Yeah, I think he may have gone down a bit too soft. However, do you know what? Let's just let's just help ourselves here. Man of the crease, get it out of the finger. You know, the contrary might complain and gone, you know, why what was this there was nothing there? You said it went down, yeah, but it was about to hit you. And about to put you on your backside. And you know that would have happened. And yeah. Bruce would have on the whistle and everything slowed down. Again, a goal thing would have gone. Right, okay, I'm about to I'll just stop. So the whistle's gone and you calm down. And everything well with the will. So, could have been handled a bit better by the refs. They could have kind of helped themselves a bit. Not that they were poor in that side, but they just could have helped themselves more. 
I just can't get over the lack of penalty other than the roughing thing. I mean, if he said, if he was but... embellishing, firstly, if he saw the contact, the embellishment doesn't negate the contact. What should have happened then was two minutes for goalie interference, two minutes for embellishment, four on four for two minutes. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Um, and again, you know, we've seen a fair few decent performances by, by our uh, referees this season. We've seen a few that we feel, and again, we appreciate that we're not the guys putting on the black and white shirt and going out and, and getting abused for 60 minutes. So, but it's a view that of we have of, of the game. But I do, I think we both agreed, and we may have said on the night that it could have been handled and done all the better. In comparison to Miller the week before, week where before, we yes. was like absolute spot on, you've managed that superbly. They're going to get the penalty, but you've managed that. Absolutely outstanding. Thank you very much. As a fan of the game, but also someone who understands the game of hockey, you've allowed hockey to decide. You've allowed the players to decide what happened. And then you kind of, in some sense, this, you know, you kind of, if you could have just gone, you know what, let's just man in the crease. You stop what could, what happened. Where is that one with Miller? It was, it's going to happen. You know what? I'm giving you the opportunity. Let's get out of the system. Go, do it. Drop the gloves. Get on with it, gents. This one, they're the ones that you kind of go, jump in, stop it. You don't even need to happen. Let's do it. So. Yeah, there were a few instances in that game where that happened. I mean, we've, we've, we've I can't remember who the referee was. It was Dean Smith and somebody else. And there were two incidents in that game where they let it go a hell of a lot longer than, than I would have expected a referee to let it go. And like you say, Dave, the Miller incident, it might have been a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, wasn't it, Ash, uh, it was ASD and Tuchignon, wasn't it? Um, and, you know, they let it go, it was evident that was going to kick off, they let that go, they let the fight go, and then they stepped in when they needed to step in. There was an incident behind the back of our net, I think it was Valorand and one of their guys, and they were cross-checking each other for ages, and it was evident, you were sitting there going, they're never going to go, Valorand is never going to drop his gloves and fight with him. And they just stood there for a good 30 seconds, letting them just cross-check and glove-punch each other. Um, and then it happened again down by the benches. I don't know if they got tangled up as they were going for changes. And again, they were stood on the bench. Uh, so they were stood on the ice whilst their player had already changed, giving each other a good cross-check for a good 15, 20 seconds before they were told to get off the ice. It's just like, it's OK letting it go. But in other scenarios, maybe just step in, maybe just, you know... If it's going to go, fine. If it's evident that it's not, different kettle of fish. Contrast that then to the following game in Coventry, when um, Dean Smith, who's the same referee refing in Coventry, gives a two-minute penalty to... Um, who was it? Was he Valorand then that stepped in on Clements after he made it? Yes, yeah. Oh, like, you know, he steps in, he gives him a cross-check and says something to him about the hit, and he gets two minutes. If you think yesterday they were stood hacking and whacking each other for a good 30 seconds with no penalty, no whistle, anything, he steps in to say, I disagree with that hit, and he ends up with a penalty. It's like, where's the line? What what, are we, what constitutes a roughing penalty now? Yeah, I mean, I suppose that there was a chance, maybe a chance, for, and you know, the only person will be able to answer, obviously, is Dean Smith himself, mm. uh, who's, in, in fairness, we'll say now, as, some, as we all formers know him through through the All-Stars, very approachable person, and actually does talk about his own refereeing and, and the game itself. May have had the chance to review it and gone, do you know what? May have got dropped the ball there, and may have just, may have should have. Yes. Stepped in, called the penalty over does, which he they invented the day after so maybe in case of that so but you're right it kind of then leads to 
or the perception of the players not knowing where that line is and where they can get away with and what they can get away with. So, um, yeah, it's just a bit of a crazy one, that. Yeah. Unless anyone's got anything else to add, I mean, I'll say this to wrap that up. It certainly isn't a big at Dean Smith because I actually think he's one of the better referees in the league. And I, I said to you, I think it was roller trading on Monday, Dave, that I said to you, it was surprising to see a couple of incidents like that that were kind of both ends of the spectrum for Dean Smith because usually I think his game management is, is, is up there. But in this instance, it was just, it wasn't. Let's just hope, because I agree with you, his, his man management is up there with the best. Um, over the last five or so years let's just hope it was just a bad day at the office which you know everyone's allowed to we all referees come 100% anything else on Brust boys no it really looks like meatloaf on the photo you had to go there didn't you couldn't not say we left the subject you had to say it you sound just no words now I've got plenty, but we can't say it on his podcast. True, true. We'll move on swiftly. We'll but we won't on. do that. <laughs> Thank you, staff. Went oh, in there like a bat. You're very welcome. Oh, you stole it. I was going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> one, one thing, the photo, like you said at the beginning, he's been done dirty by the league. If ever the Steelers are doing dirty with the uh, photo of the Jumbo Chow, they are the most unflattering photos ever of a hockey player. I don't know. Can you remember Yanni Kolomainen's got a picture from a few years ago? That was that was dreadful. It was, but that was just a suntan. This is just done dirty. True, yeah, true. Um, I will say one thing. I think the Steelers need to start with a contingency plan for when Bruss gets mad at a match on a win because there's not much more, many more eddies that he's going to be doing. Is there? I think they need to get him a big whiteboard on the bench so he can write I nominate and then X player so a player <laughs> can do it for him. Maybe those who aren't fans of the Eddie are actually quite happy with that type of uh, Eddie where it's just done, dusted and move on. True. Who knows? Who knows? Um, after, after Greff's insistence on bringing that up, are we, are we done with Brust now? Have we got anything else to add? Swell. Right, we'll move on. Um, one thing that I've realised, gents, I apologise, I'm going to spring something on you because we never actually spoke about this before. However... In a bid to ensure that we don't miss any more signings or departures, I have realised that there's been two this week, and um, I don't want us to miss them because I don't want us to end up with 40 of them to go through on a week again. Um, it's only really one to discuss, and Greff, you're probably about the best placed person to actually discuss it. Um, in the last week, um, obviously, Tommaso Traverso was the last player that we discussed um, last week, so the only two we've got, James Spence, has signed from Opol HK to um, Five Flyers. Uh, and then, yeah, no, that's right. So, no, we've got two to discuss, sorry. Uh, and then the other is a player moving from the Manchester Storm to the Cardiff Devils in Mark McNulty. Don't know how you want to play it, boys. I'm quite happy to leave it at that if we want. We've not really done any prep. I've just kind of realised halfway through that we, we, we've missed the airport section. Yeah, we can leave it. Passports were left at home. I say, yeah, I mean, the only one that I can think of, really, the, the the key one to discuss to me, just because of how bizarre it is to see a player move from elite league to elite league team, is is the McNulty move. Um, I mean, the best player, first person, probably to just say, 
what kind of player he is, is Gref, because obviously he's played in Manchester. I have no idea what kind of player he is or what. Was there any rumours behind the move? What 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 happened? No, there wasn't. There. He didn't play for, well, for a good while. Played one game, then was a healthy scratch the next few ones. And I think they expected more from him. But his on-ice wasn't really the best. It did... For for a team that's in Altrincham, in that ice rink, he just didn't suit it at all. So it, it's probably best for all parties that he was like, yeah, you can find a new club before Christmas. And then Cardiff's gone, actually, we're, we've got an injury with Mark Louis. Let's actually bring someone in. And they've quickly got someone that's actually played in this league. Already got an ITC in this league. He's already in this country, so you don't have to pay for any fights. He got on the coach down there from after the game on Saturday. It's just straight down. To save them a lot of money, you could say. Yeah, fair. Well, I mean, if you need injury cover, it's the perfect scenario. It's just a weird one to get one from a team that essentially was playing for, but... Um, yeah. I mean, we've got anything else to add on that, boys? I said that was the only real thing I was thinking, that we've got the perfect person to speak out on that. No? Okay, there we go. So I'll close that. Airport well, a lounge is now closed. Let's have a look at what we've got. So this next section comes with a warning. It is not a happy conversation. Um, it's particularly not a happy conversation for four people on a podcast that we're all supposed to be on a plane to Belfast tomorrow. Um, it will not be a happy conversation for anybody who wants to claim that the, the cost of their the dark fruit and burger from Weatherspoons before the Cardiff game yesterday. Um, yeah, I don't know. Couldn't resist that one. But yeah, COVID's obviously really its ugly head yet again. Um, I mean, the first thing that we see is the Panthers Storm game yesterday getting postponed. Uh, and then we see the Devils Stars game yesterday getting postponed uh about an hour before the doors open, or an hour before face-off, something like that wasn't 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 a wasn't a quick announcement. It was a, a very last-minute one. Uh, then obviously we get the news that the Giant Steelers weekend is going to be postponed, and we're obviously now travelling down to Cardiff to play one game against them on Saturday, and then just to top things off, the Flames play Ewell in uh, in COVID nineteen protocol as well, but they've confirmed currently that their games will go ahead. It's just one player in the COVID protocol there. Uh, I don't know how you want to do this, boys. I'm just going to throw it straight over to you guys and uh, just, we'll just see how it plays out. You're on mute, Dave. Ah, that's what happens when you go on mute. So I'll try again. Um, I'll start with the Dundee um, team being put on protocol because obviously it, it, it transpires from different conversations and things. <laughs> Because I believe that they stayed down in Cardiff after their game on the Sunday to obviously beat going to Dundee and back. That one player tested positive, but everyone being close contacts wiped the whole team out. So hopefully they don't get any more positives and they can the player who has it recovers well. You know, as someone who's had it, wish him the best. You know, I hope it's a mild case of that. 
Nottingham, so Belfast, I believe, from people that we spoke to, no, Greff, you spoke to a couple of uh, folk on the ground, this is around the five number in terms of players? Around that, yeah. But they're still operating in terms of the, the training and still doing things, so we hope they're, again, their players, hope they recover. I know that Nottingham have actually had to shut their operations down until the 24th. Uh, they've had players both, they had players and off-rink people that have um, tested positive. Excluding the Guildford guy for a second, I think I'm going to actually praise the kind of the the time, except the the announcement of the Dundee Cardiff one. That seems to be like it's been it's took its time to get the test results. Now I don't know if it's kind of they've got the results and they've they've managed to get a quick. Um, PTR tests, I don't know. Um, I think a lot of information may need to come out with that one just to give some, not transparency, but clarification as to what's exactly happened from that. Obviously, the Manchester-Nottingham game was cancelled in advance. Belfast-Sheffield, done in advance. That was an hour. So, for me, I think it would be handy... For fans to understand, because that's this is a, a brand new thing. You know, none of us have had have seen games cancelled in our league due to COVID protocol reasons. We've seen it a lot of, of Premiership games, uh, Championship League One games. We've seen, um, I think I read one of the uh, rugby union games has been postponed for that same thing. Um, and I know an um, NIHL one or two, I think Streatham, and they've had to. Their weekend's been done because they've had an outbreak of it. But the announcement, it's all been done in time so that people, apart from obviously the Belfast Sheffield, because obviously that's involved flying in that. But the Cardiff Dundee one, I think for understanding as a fan of how this protocol works, we don't need to know the, the ins and outs of it. It's clear that the teams do. We just need to know kind of a rough idea. Give us information so that we can understand it, the, the bog standards. But I think we kind of need more just the timescales from how it's led to be so late to be announced. Um, I'll give the league praise that they've been able to go. Two teams who are healthy, have been tested, no, negative, no positive results for it, can get a game played, which is obviously Cardiff-Sheffield because they moved their fixture from January to Saturday. Um, kudos to that. I think that's been flexible, which we need to. Um and I think we're going to, you know, it's the first batch of games that we've lost. So I don't think we need the doom and gloom, oh, that's it, the season's over, done with. You know, let's just write it off yet. If we have more weekends of this, and I'm not to say that we're not going to have that, given the last two days of numbers of, of COVID uh, cases found, you don't know, you know, we may be lucky that our teams around the Elite League may not, have um, to go on the protocol list. Um, I'll say this kind of to, to you know to move it on. As fans, we now need to think: Do I need that photo? Do I need that selfie? Do I need that opportunity to say I've been with X Y Z player? Obviously, people are allowed to do that. Do we need to do it at this moment in time? And I think as fans, we need to use a bit of a bit of common sense 
I know it's a rare thing in, in life at the moment. But do you know what? If we could go to the games, put his masks on, go to the seats, watch the game, cheer his teams on, go home, there'll be chances and times to be able to get your shirt signed. And do you know if that if it's a one season player that you can't do, do you know what? What's the what's you know, what's better? You having that chance to meet him, photo sign and actually spread cases because you don't know yourself. But you don't and you help that the season carrying on. And I think as fans as well, I think we need to kind of internal have a conversation to go, let's have the common sense approach. Let's not bombard players. Let's not go to where we know the players come out and we need the photos to put on our respective team's Facebook page. Oh, look at me, I've had a photo with XYZ player. We need players to go, do you know what? I'm thinking I'm doing a nice thing and I'll go out and Karouf, because it was Karouf who on Wednesday went out, thought, you know what? People come here, last minute thing, all the signs of things. Do you know what? As much as I admire that thing, not now. There's times and places. And we're, we're still in a pandemic. And I think collectively, we all do our little bits that we can do. We can hopefully allow the season to continue, get to the end, and get to the playoff weekend, and go, phew, we've got the season out of the way. And I think this is a nice little kick up the backside where everybody kind of goes, okay, let's make sure things are done. I know that Sheffield have changed their... Um, a couple of their protocols in terms of who goes where, and I suspect other teams will do the same. Just a, you know, just a timely reminder that we're not at this yet, and we just need to behave appropriately. Yeah, I don't. It wouldn't really surprise me if pretty much all teams in the league just go right. Fifty-fifty, shit off the back, put drop the lot. Yeah, that's shelved for now. Maybe, what, in like February time, maybe, get it all back. But at the moment, you're like, you got to be like, no, we can't do this. We've got to protect, got to protect our employees, basically, which is the players. So without them, you're not going to, we're going to be back to square one before for the first lockdown, it's like, yeah. I'm pretty sure almost 98% of hockey fans, maybe more, all said, you know what, I'm actually bored. I'd do anything to watch hockey right now. But here you go, here's a chance. Don't interact with players. Just go to the game with a mask on. Without a mask, if you're actually exempt, you've not got something that's... Not actually for you. And then you just go, right, I do my bit. My season ticket's paid for, or I've paid for a ticket. Sit in my seat, watching the game, going home. Whether that be going home, happy because my team's won, or going home, a bit doom and gloom because my team's lost. Either way, you've still got the season ahead of you. Just basically the end of what what everyone wants. We want an actual full league season. We don't want to get to February again and then go, okay, brilliant. The seasons keep going. Then March comes right after Challenge Cup. Yeah, we're on to close. It's just not going to be great. I'd love to see what the protocol is, especially when 
I think like probably staff in the the rink probably only found out not as probably about a few minutes before it actually got posted online. So it's like okay, that doesn't bring greatness to anyone. A piece of like your calmness of your peace of mind. You're like great. Was I near that person? I mean, you probably weren't, but you people will still probably think that. It's be great to see what the actual protocol is, just as a fan perspective wise. Well, there's a whole lot more I can say. Um, I mean, you know, I, I hate to be that sort of gloomy guy, but um, the way that it was last year. I just can't see anything being anything much different, to be honest with you. I think, I think there will be uh, a stoppage point. None of us know when it could be, but I think there will be. Um, which would be a massive shame again, you know. But, um, you know, it, it's great that the... <clears throat> excuse me. Um, it's great that the clubs are, are thinking um, how they're going to you know, stop the fan interaction or try to stop it as much as possible, which is good. Um, it's good forward thinking, probably something that should have been done to start with, you know, just to <clears throat> just to eliminate, eliminate that um, risk even further, you know. Uh, it should be brought in a lot sooner, I think, but it's a good thing, you know, that they've done it now and not when it's, you know, too late when, when, when all teams have cases in them, so... Uh, hopefully, you know, the ones that do have cases uh, or the protocol, they stop with their outfit swiftly. And, you know, there's no other follow-up to this. I'm pretty sure I speak for everyone when I say that. But, you know, if it, if the last year has been anything but, you know, um, it, the question really is, is how long is this going to be, how long is this protocol this going to be out for, you know, how long is, you know, everything really going to be here for and uh, we all know that COVID's not going to go away um, so I think we're all just you know we're all just a bit fed up a bit tired a bit annoyed you know that it, it, it's not going to go away everyone knows but at some point we've got to try and live our lives as best we can but you know there are things that we've got to stop in order to get things that we want so the fan interaction thing is definitely you know now or never a I guess for for the foreseeable, uh, but yeah, you know, just just like everyone, I think I think I'm just annoyed, tired of it now, and you know, just want normality back fully, really. But you know, no one knows when that's going to be, so I just got to keep hoping, I guess. Dave, I'm with you. I don't I don't think we're at that stage yet. I'm not at that stage yet of being worried. Doesn't look good. Um, you know, I'll say that. It, it, it's not. It makes you say, oh dear. It makes you kind of think, oh God, not again. Um, I don't think we're at that stage yet of thinking, you know, that everything's going to go, everything's going to stop. Look at the NHL. Look at what's been happening in the NHL. It's been happening for months in the NHL. Um Dave, you guys had you guys had, had games postponed. Um, as yeah, as yeah. Uh, I think we were very, very much on the verge of having it done. I don't think we ended up actually having any games postponed, but we were very close. I think um, we've had some postponed recently as well, because they've yeah. been in that scenario. There's a few games. Let me have a look. There, was, there were two the other day. Um, yeah, Calgary-Toronto was postponed today. 
Calgary, Nashville, and Carolina, Minnesota were postponed on Tuesday night. It's happening in the NHL, guys. It's, you know, it is what it is. We don't want to see it happen. We don't want to see it end. And I, I, I honestly don't think we're at the point yet. If anything, to me, this is a wake-up call. This is kind of a reminder of it's still here. Um, I think we, we can all kind of probably hold our hands up to say, actually, towards the latter part of, of, of this season so far, I think we can all probably hold our hands up and say things were feeling a bit too normal at times. It, it was kind of the point of you walk into the arena you know, with, with no um, mask on. I haven't had my COVID passport checked once, and I know the people object to that. We're not here to get into a we're not here to get into a for or against argument about vaccine. We're not here to 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 go into a for or against argument about COVID passports. But you know, I haven't had that checked once when they're supposedly doing that. We're walking into the arena with no masks on. We're sitting there the entire game. Fans are standing outside entrance. But I drop my mum off at games because she works in the Steelers shop. And honestly, I'm dropping her off. I dropped her off the other day. Usually it's two hours before doors open. So let's say four o'clock that I dropped her off on Saturday. There were there were dozens of fans already outside entrance B waiting to, to, to see the players. You know, I, I, to me, this is a huge wake-up call. This is a huge part where every single fan that attends any single hockey game has to stop and go, can I, what can I do? Essentially, what can I do to keep hockey going? And the honest answer is, if that's wear a mask for the game, wear a mask for a game. Don't come out with this crap about getting fake exemption lanyards or whatever it is that someone was coming out with the other day. You know, if we need to wear masks, we need to wear masks. Simple as that. It's 60 minutes. I'd rather sit there and wear a mask for a hockey game than not go to the hockey game. You know what? And if you're going to turn around and say, we're going to get fake exemption lanyards, I think I speak for everybody else sat in that building who's got a brain cell in the head. Don't bother going to another game. Just don't bother. You know, we've all got to take some responsibility for what's going on now. And quite frankly, it's pathetic to even suggest that. And the other thing is it then makes a mockery of the fact that some people have legitimate reasons to not sit there in a mask. Greg, you, I mean, I'm not being funny. You, you had an asthma attack on the plane on the way to Denmark and you had an asthma attack at the boarding gate on the way back from Denmark. And the one at the boarding gate, it took me, my mum and dad, to tell you not to put your mask on to get on the plane because you were going to put it back on. And that was after a fair bit of time with the mask on, because obviously you had to wait for the airport. So, yeah, like in face what Joe said, you know, the exemptions there, and that they need, they have the right to that exemption, like itself. But I just, I don't know. I just think, you know, the Steelers have confirmed, and I think this is probably the the other team should be following suit on this. I've, I've not seen anything else, but I've not really been looking all that much to be fair. Steelers have confirmed that all players were double jabbed and staff before arriving at the UK and if they're eligible for boosters they'll be having those. Obviously fans wearing masks in the arena um, and then they've said they've had to look obviously all areas of the business where they can improve on to make sure the safety of the players, fans and staff have, have been maximised. Uh, for the foreseeable future they're closing the hockey locker corridor to all non-essential personnel. Baffles me that that was open this season anyway. Uh, this will mean the closure of the sponsors' lounge opposite the dressing rooms. In turn, this will mean that all birthday packages and similar sponsorship packages will no longer take place. 
Steelers will contact individually or supporters who have bought these packages, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, from what I've gathered, from what they've tweeted as well, they're not going to be doing 50-50 in shirt raffle presentations with players. It's all little things that you just, like I say, things started to just creep back to being a little bit too normal. And you sit there and think we are still in the middle of a pandemic. And, you know, whilst we say we're tired of this, we've got to learn to get on with it. Then there are certain things that you just think if anything's going to floor this season, it's things like having players in a sponsor's lounge, having having fun, sorry, having players in a sponsor, having fans in a sponsor's lounge, having fans standing outside entrance B waiting for players. Why is that happening? Why is that happening? We're in the middle of a pandemic. We all want to see hockey run all the way through to the end of the season. Uh, I th- I honestly, I don't think we're at the stage of panicking. I just think we're at the stage of this kind of giving us a kick up the backside to say something needs to change here, boys. Something needs to happen. I've never once thought the NHL's at risk of stopping. I know they've got a lot more teams than we do. Same principle here. I think we just need to start being a lot more careful. And Dave, absolutely right. If you're a fan that's still thinking, you know, next Steelers game is Boxing Day, I'm going to go and uh, and wait outside entrance B two hours before doors open so I can see players. Give you a wobble. Absolutely. I mean, we we had to wear obviously wear to wear masks on the flight for the duration. I'm taking Griff aside because obviously I know you you struggled with that, and I'm glad that obviously it weren't nothing major. If you could do it for like, and that was a twelve flight. Yeah. yeah, you could do that. Then, if it needs doing wearing it during a game, then do you know what? Fine. Yeah. Okay. People, um, we all um, have uh, liquid hydration during games. So you know, do you know what? Bring a straw. Keeps your mask on. Use a straw. You know, be creative. Do things. Like, I know a friend of mine in Cardiff did that. She wears a mask. She has um, a tonic water at games. Shall we say? She has a straw. She keeps the mask on. There's other stuff I've seen that there's a tonic, I can guarantee now. Um, I was just going with other waters are available. Well, yeah, no, they we're just, I'd say, we're just tonic. But she had a straw on, in the mask. You know, you know, it's not normal, it's not natural, but you know what? Neither has been the last 18 or so months, God damn it. So, do you know what? Swim with the, you know, roll with the punches, do what you need to do, be creative. But what if we can do our bits as fans, as, as Average Joe's going to the game to keep hockey going on. I said average Joe, mate, not worse. Um, oh, I thought you were going to give me a compliment. <laughs> nah, yeah, it's not Christmas yet. Um, then we do it. And you know what? Who cares? Who gives a damn? I know, the people who have an exemption who are legit, fine. No issue with that. And it is, though. We have had a few people, and I think we've seen a few people who will just go and yeah, I'll, I'll get one of the lanyards and make it out because I just I don't want to wear a, co- a piece of cloth because it's against my rights and everything. It's like really head wobble, get in the bin, grow up, realise what's happening. And I think there's a bit of that fans need to really understand that we're still in this pandemic. It's not being ended. May not be for a while, but maybe controlled soon. But until we're at that point. Let's do what we can do. Let's do what we need to do. We all want. I speak for us four. And I probably speak for every hockey fan. How depressing it was not going to the hockey. And that first game back, the joy, the absolute greatness of being at the rink, 
being with your friends, watching your team, whether it win, lose. You never cared that first game because you were back at the ring, you're back at the arena. Do we really want to go? Or because of the way we've kind of behaved and not followed a few protocols, we're going to end it. Let's, you know, as fans, let's do our bit. Clubs starting to go, right, let's have some more rigid protocols. Who cares? But let's have them. Let's all work together. Let's all get it done. And we get to the end of April. And we all leave, we all drive away from Nottingham and go, do you know what? If we can get, we can be driving back then, the season's done. Completed. Teams have won silverware. But we finished the season in the era of the pandemic. That's going to be one hell of an achievement. Because we're seeing in other leagues around the world that they're, they're having a lot more stoppages because of COVID. So if we, if we can, by hook or by crook, follow obviously all the regulations that will come from obviously the UK government, but obviously the Welsh Assembly, the Northern Ireland Assembly and the Scottish government. If we can get to that point and everyone's done their bit, you, if you've not won a piece of silver, everyone could be proud of themselves. It, it sums up to me, this is a very heavy statement to make, but it sums up to me exactly what is wrong with this country at the moment, exactly what is wrong with this whole situation. And it's people going, I don't want to wear a mask, that's against my rights. I have the right to say I don't want to wear one. Well, yeah, you do. But if you don't want to wear one, stay at home, mate. And I have a right as someone that makes a decision to wear a mask if I think it's... I don't even care. It's not even for me that I wear it, to be fair. I'm, 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 I don't know. I'd rather wear one, because if I can do anything to stop someone else from getting it, then I'll do that. I have no issue with that. No reservations about that at all. The fact that some people are that hell-bent on their own self-entitled human rights that they won't wear a mask for a minor bit of discomfort for an hour and a half, two hours of a hockey game to try and potentially, well, literally, if we take it to extreme, could save someone's life. I, I think that tells you all the problem that there is. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. We've talked about the fan interaction side. Dave, you've mentioned about Matt Carruth coming out and, and having pictures and you know what I think all four of us picked up on that about the same time and had the same kind of comments which was you really games being cancelled because players are getting COVID and yet they're taking pictures what happens if one of those fans has got COVID get what he was trying to do and let me not just go heavy on him because he's not non-chevy you know oh, I, no, get, no. I get what you're trying to do in, in, in a normal time if the game were cancelled late, I'd be going, do you know what? Fair play to him. Put him on a pedestal because he's put the fans first and he's gave yeah. them something who's... Then fans aren't going to get anything that night because of the game's been cancelled. And again, I, I think it, we've, we've kind of both summed up a wolf or summed up. It's the kick up the backside. Let's just take steps back. Let's just go, do we really need to do that? Can we avoid the mixing? Do we need to do that? So like in fairness, in Denmark, there was very little in it around the games mixing with players with fans yeah very little if any if at all the only time it were that everyone knows about is probably after the tournament in one of the pubs old Irish bar not old Irish bar the other Irish bar one of the Irish bars that's probably the only several several so that's probably the only time that realistically there was any interaction because they obviously Alborg had some had their uh, COVID protocols and bubbles to ensure that 
teams are fine and, and dandy and all that. And like I say, I get, I admire what Karuf was trying to do. I just yeah. think now, not the best of times. Any other season, again, the guys on a pedestal because you've just gone and thought the fans, you've gone, you know, give them something because they've made the trip and they've only just found out it's been cancelled. I think, like I say, everybody, from owners to general managers to players, I mean, fans, players will know because it's probably rammed down the throats all the time and, and right for itself. But we all just need to just go, step back, all do the right things. Can we do a bit more? Let's do a bit more. End goal. We all drive away from Nottingham and we've finished the season. And in the years of British hockey, if we're all bluntly honest, we all drive away because the season's done with the biggest achievement in this country. My comment about Karouf on Twitter, because I tweeted the guy back, because the thing that annoyed me was someone tweeted him back after he posted about Karouf and said, and it was, it was Ryan, in fact, Ryan, um, I don't know whether he listens or not, but he tweeted him back and said, yeah, great idea in a time of COVID. And I think the response he got back was something like, you idiots will read whatever you want. It was Dundee that tested positive for COVID. And you just sit there and think, actually, you've tried to pull the, you're missing the point, Mark, but actually, you're missing the point. Like like I said, my point isn't that Karouf could have got COVID from, you know, someone in the locker room and passed it on to the fans. My point actually is, on that front, if we're going on the perspective of just keeping British hockey going for the season... One of those fans could have had COVID and passed it on to Karouf. Karouf could then go back into the change room and pass it on to 10 other Cardiff players. And then that's a fourth team that's on some kind of shutdown and postponement. You know, that's that's the point. As far as Karouf goes, hats off to the guy for trying to do something for the fans, like you've said, Dave. My point was, if what I want to know is, why has there been no protocol for that to change? Sheffield haven't, as far as we're aware, had any positive tests to the extent that they're travelling down to Cardiff on Saturday to play a game because both teams are going to be missing games. Sheffield have still brought in the measures to minimise fan interaction instantly. And I just question why Cardiff didn't do that. That's my thing. It's not a knock on Carruth. If Carruth's there's been nothing said about Karouf not going to mix with the fans, fair enough. My question is, why has nothing been said about Karouf going to mix with fans? And like we say, why were fans going, oh yeah, we'll have a picture with him, rather than actually, stay away mate, because I'd rather you be playing between the pipes at the weekend. And I, th- I think that's 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 the other problem. I mean, the, the reactions, I think we could all agree, boys. I mean, we, we, no, we were there, we, we've had those issues with the Belfast situation, We've had us moans, we've had us complaints to each other. I don't think any of us have got straight onto the, oh, I want my money back for my flight or anything like that. At the end of the day, it is what it is. We could still go to Belfast if we wanted to, fair enough. The reactions from some of the Cardiff fans were just next level in terms of we've all gone through this global pandemic. Someone's driven 20 minutes to go to the game and they're complaining. I've paid £2 for my parking and I had a burger and chips from Spoons before. Can I claim that back? No. No. What, what are we on about? How is this even a thing? And the, the thing was, it wasn't even one person. 
you know, there was there were more people whinging about having made a 20, 30-minute drive. Granted, some people drove longer, understand that. There were more people that had that complaint that were Cardiff fans than people that went, God, I hope no Dundee fans travelled down, than when, God, I hope that the Dundee players that are affected aren't too badly affected and are okay, and that when, I really hope this isn't the end of British hockey this year. People were more interested in trying to claim back the £3 parking and have a win than they had to drive for half an hour. So come on, guys. Let's see a bigger picture here. I don't know. I, I, so the, the other thing is, is like I said earlier on, it's like, if, so long as the timescale is understood so that... You're right. There is the... You know, people understand the bigger picture. And I was discussing with um, a friend of ours uh, just about it because we hadn't spoken to him for a few days. So long as that's understood, but this is why it took so long for that nose to come out, then yes, people will be upset and, and grumble about it, but then you understand it. And I think that just that's the bit that just needs to tweak that everyone gets that information as early as possible. And if there's a reason why it's so late, this is why, and, and this is the, the protocols and procedures that happened that meant it was late in delivering to the fans. So I, what you're saying is spot on. There's a bigger picture, I suppose. It's, no, but this, the bigger picture is looking at the league and not thinking, oh, well, quite clearly they just thought, sod it, I'll, not, I'll have a COVID test 30 seconds before the doors open. Like, there was quite clearly a reason that they only found out that they had COVID when they did and only made that announcement. It's the fact that people don't have it in their heads to, instead of going, oh, there's probably a reason for this, just to instantly go, this is what's happened. And I'm not going to disagree with what you're saying there, Joe. Um... You're absolutely spot on. I just think it prevents as much as possible because there'll be fans that will still, regardless of information, just, you know, this is why it was late. This is the timescales. There you go. There's a reason why it was delayed. And no one knows. Now, what's knocking the leagues, or sorry, the league and the teams for it, for that being the case? Suppose it just because it says it's the first time that everybody's doing this. So if that information is then given, right, we announce if it happens again, two teams. On the protocol, game's off. This is why. These are the timescales. This is why it's announced at this time. And I, I suppose it's just, it adds to the information given. Yeah. That helps understanding. And like I said, there'll be fans that will still grumble and want the money back for X, Y, Z. I suppose it's just giving that information um, to the right, at the right time to go, this is why. Um, and I think that will help moving forward. Yeah. And I say that not as a criticism, I say that's more of a, I think this would, you know, benefit the information share. Because I say, Cardiff gave some form of description, I think, Gref, you showed us the tweets, I think, in our chats, that they gave the description and, and they tried to explain why um, once the news had broke, which is great, not a problem, and you should admire that, Um and I think just more of that, more detail just to go, this is why it's so late. Apologies, it's half six and a half, seven face up, but this is why. So it may be 10 minutes since we actually got told we can't play and we're telling you, but this is why. And I think that just adds to that kind of, not transparency, but this is a new thing that everybody's involved in. This is why. Yeah. So, Yeah. Have we got anything else to add? And I feel like we, we, this is something that we could we could flog until I don't know. We should have been on a plane to Belfast. So <laughs> I'll say one last thing for me. Um, kudos to Belfast 
for arranging one of their sponsors to put up yes. the Sheffield funds we're still going over um, and putting on the webcast for the Cardiff-Sheffield game um, so that the Steelers fans who are still going over to Belfast. Guys, girls, if you're there, have a cracking time. It's a great city. Um, three of us have been there multiple times. I know Griffith was going to be his first time. Uh, we'll get you to Belfast, Payne. Don't worry. It's going to happen. Um, have a Guinness March. Have a Guinness of 10 on those. Um, have a blast. But well done, Belfast. They've kind of gave a bit of looking after to, to the Steelers fans who are going over. And also the Belfast fans that may want to go over. Um, and actually, I know one Newcastle or ex-Newcastle Vipers fan, that's, she's gone over. Um, and I know she's taken advantage of them asking for fans to go over. Uh, so have a great time. Have a blast. Enjoy many Guinnesses. I'm disappointed. I was looking forward to a, a, a pint of the, uh, the good stuff. Uh, I'll just have to wait a few more days for that to happen. But no, well done, Belfast. Yeah, thanks for that. Cause I genuinely meant to say that and I completely forgot. So yeah, 100% absolute, uh, absolute stellar. Effort from Belfast there. Um, we got anything else to add on that, boys? Now, I mean, I've got one more question to ask on on the COVID front, uh, and it's a question that was asked on the Orange Army page. And actually, um, I was kind of hoping it was going to ruffle a few more feathers because I quite like seeing that happen on there. But um, obviously, I mean, we, we we know that one of the possibilities that we're facing right now is to see reduced capacities in games. And I appreciate that that will affect some teams more than others. If we're talking about percentages, I think we as, as, as a team probably are in the best position for that because we have the highest capacity. So if we're talking percentages, in theory, we should therefore be able to have the highest capacity out of the league. Um, however, in any event, it's obviously going to have some effect. Um, you know, if we're running at, say, 50% capacity, then the question is, how do the clubs move forward with that to start giving out the tickets? One of the questions that was asked was, should the priority be given to season ticket holders first? And then obviously any additional tickets then be offered out to people that don't have season tickets. Just want to see what you guys think. From a logistic perspective, and a logistic perspective only, it would be the easier way to manage what tickets you have to allow the season ticket holders the first priority. Now, like I said, that will depend on how many season ticket holders each team has. Um, I don't know if there's a scenario where 50% capacity means that they actually have more season ticket holders than seats available. So let's just continue the discussion on the basis of there isn't. There's not one team that has yeah. over 50% of their barn that season ticket holders. You then will know how many tickets are available. It's first come, first serve. There's also scenarios in scenarios where season ticket holders don't want that, don't go to the game. They may have something planned. They may be unwell. They may have COVID. And I say that separately because you can still be unwell and, and not go to the game. And they could then work with the club saying, look, my ticket, I'm not going, release it. You know, I know Cardiff do it when they have... Uh, their hell outs that they actually go, you know, there's an incentive to sell back the ticket to the club. So that could be something that could happen where, right, we've got 20 available, first come, first serve. Seed ticket holders aren't a better fan than the average person that goes up and walk up and get tickets. Let's just quantify that in case anybody thinks that who listens. 
A person who is in a lucky position to invest money at the beginning to cover all the games isn't superior to a guy or girl who can go or can only go most weeks, but can't guarantee. But logistically, it would make sense to go and do that because then clubs will know how many tickets are left. So, for example, you know Belfast, Sheffield use Ticketmaster. So that would be easier to work out from a numbers, you know, computer um, algorithms and, and such. But teams like Fife, Manchester, I'm going to guess, um, and maybe Coventry and Cardiff and, and all of them who won't know just how many numbers they have, doing it that way, it makes it easier. Because what restrictions that's going to come in then, and we all know it's going to happen. We need. To, it has to be whatever's done is it makes it easier, it makes the life as easy as possible for the clubs to continue and carry on. So if it's right, we've got four thousand seats available. We've two and a half thousand seats to get orders. There's fifteen hundred tickets left. If you know, if you know exactly that you're not going, let us know by Thursday. Let's say for a Saturday game, but unless you come well Friday, Saturday, then let the clubs know. So that right. Oh, by the way, fans, we've got some more tickets. That would be the easier logistic method to work with any reduced capacity. So I know that when they're doing it in Ontario, they've already reduced it to their 50%, and they're working with teams, other, sorry, the fans and scenes that order to go, right, this is how we're going to do things. So I think that's where we'd have to go, I think. I think you've it. It's spot on there, the logistic-wise. It makes it more easier for the club itself. On the positive side for free like yourselves, Sheffield, Belfast, if there's no tickets available, you'd have to pay a £3 transaction fee. Every cloud <laughs> and all that. I don't know, they'll probably whack that onto the webcast. Could do. Depends if they have a VPN. It's, personally, I think, yeah, it's, logistic-wise, that sounds like the easiest way of going. It, as a, if you're a fan that's not, like, got a season ticket, yeah, it's a bit of a, bit of a pain in the backside for you. But, the other side, it's, yeah, if the club goes, right, we're just going to pick randomly. First come, first serve. Anyone who can get a ticket, then it's going to be like, actually, we're going to have to possibly lose money and paying season ticket prices back to people. End of the day, that's not really going to be good business. Because then you'll see teams lose money. Teams losing money, not going to be able to bring in a good amount of players. Can't bring in good amount of players. You start becoming like the whipping boys of the league. You start losing attendance figures then, and then you, your team's gone because you've got no fans. You can't really afford to put a team on the ice, and then you'll come up with those those fans that have been moaning. Why are we? Out, why is it only season ticket holders? Why can't we get them? then everyone, them included, will be mourning. 
kind of I kind of miss hockey now. I miss my team. Why didn't I think logically? <laughs> I mean, they probably, they, probably, they probably won't think that, but still. <laughs> so, yeah. I think that's the logical way to do it. Season ticket holders, you got till Thursday to say, yeah, I want my, my seat. If not, we'll sign your seat. First come, first serve then. Then you're not, technically, you're, you're still not losing money as a team, which is great, which is what you don't want to do. It's a catch for it, too, really. I mean, none, none of us hope that it comes to our capacity or anything like that over here. Um, so, so hopefully, hopefully it doesn't, fingers crossed. But um, if it does, then I know it's 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 difficult, isn't it? Because like like it's been mentioned before, not every season ticket uh, person is going to be able to attend every game until the end of the season. So then that's you know that's what the, that, that's what the people are missing out on that chance that they could have had to actually go inside. So. Um, it's difficult. I think I like what Graf said. Like, give them chance to respond if they are going to the game or not, and if they don't, then open those seats up to someone else. Put them in like a um, a queue or something. So, if if, if there's a list where it says uh, just list the fans really, first come first serve again. Uh, that says you want to do you want to attend a game in the near future, uh, and then got that list there and if, and if someone on the list can't do it then you move on to the one below them if a season ticket person can't make it and they fill their seat I think that's the only way they can really do it it's it's difficult because we've not been in this position before like it, it, it's just it's a ridiculous thing to be in in the first place but obviously for understandable reasons it's just a a, a, a very strange thing to be happening right now and it's it's difficult, very difficult to really work that out. I don't see any other way of doing it. Simple as that. Um, like you, Gref, you, you not their head, nail their head, just in terms of the way of phrasing it. It's not good business to have to give people the money back. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing. Andy, you're absolutely right in saying that we don't want to end up in this situation. It's it's a weird situation for us to be in. Um, I just I can't see any other way of doing it. If we come to reduce capacity, you have to offer the the season ticket holders first dibs on whether they want to go. What I'm going to say is going to be controversial to certain people. I don't know. I don't think it will be to people in the podcast, but it'll be controversial to certain people because currently I don't know whether it's in British hockey as a whole. It's certainly a thing in the Steelers fan base. Is this fan inferiority complex? I'm not a worse fan because. You're absolutely right. If someone's a season ticket holder and you're not, that doesn't make them a better fan. But honestly, the reality is no club is a club in the position that they're in without season ticket holders. Because what season ticket holders are is guaranteed revenue. Unlike people who turn up and pay, and again, that that isn't, it's no criticism of the people that turn up and pay every week, 
but they aren't guaranteed revenue because every week they might think, oh, I'm not going to go to this game. That's £19.20 less for the club if they're a Steelers fan. You know, whereas the person that's paid for the season ticket, they've paid. Don't matter if they go. Um, I like the idea of doing a sell your ticket back. You know, if you can't go, sell your ticket. No problem with that. Good idea. Um, give people a certain time to come back and say, yes, I want my seat. And if you don't come back by that time, it gets given to someone else. So that's the, the fairest way to do it, I think. But like I said, we've got to tackle this inferiority complex. It used to happen years ago, in, in, in at least in the Steelers organisation, we used to have season ticket holder events. I think the last one, if memory serves, was that you were allowed to go watch a training session. It was a bit farcical in the end, but the idea was that they'd mic up players, they'd mic up the coach, and we'd go to a season ticket holder event where we could watch training, we could get an idea of what they were doing, and that would just be for season ticket holders as a kind of thank you. Because at the end of the day... What people don't appreciate, what people overlook when they slug off the I'm not less of a fan, like I say, you're not. But what you're not looking into is that the people who paid a season ticket have invested a hell of a lot of money. Whether that's in one go, whether that's a monthly thing, they've invested a hell of a lot of money. And particularly this year, when they've invested that money on the back of thinking, actually, maybe we won't have a full season. And maybe I might have to ask for some money back. Maybe I'll not ask for my money back. Again, either scenario, not a better fan. But to me, that incentive has to go to season ticket holders first because if the season ticket holders are then told, actually, we're going to prioritise other people or actually you're going to have to pay, not pay, but you're going to have to put yourself forward just like anybody else. And someone who's not a season ticket holder has got just as much of a chance of getting a ticket as you your season ticket holders are then going to start sitting there and going, why am I chipping this money into the club? Why am I paying this lump sum at the start of the year or this lump sum at the start of every month when Joe Bloggs, who doesn't have a season ticket up, you know, is getting a ticket over me? Then you lose your season tickets, then you start to reduce your capacities and you start to reduce your attendances and then it has a huge knock-on effect on the club. So to me, if, it's, if, if it comes to that, and Andy, like you say, we'll circle back around to that, we all hope it, it doesn't happen. But if it happens, you have to offer it to the season ticket holders first and then offer it to anybody else after that. And like we say, give them some kind of deadline to say, I want my ticket, and if not, it'll get sold to someone else. Or do it as a buyback scheme. You've got your ticket, but if you come to us and say you don't want it, we'll sell it and you get 20 quid back because that's what we'll sell your ticket for. And at this point, it's about getting people in. That's that, that's that's what I'd say. Um, I just I just thought it was worth opening the debate up because it didn't really open up as much as I thought on the Orange Army take. But it's, um, it's an interesting point in terms of the inferiority. I know Cardiff had that with their Block 13, and I know a couple of clubs have had very similar things. And it just seems to be... I don't know if it's a British way of... of, of we need to think that we're better or we need to feel inferior and feel offended. Or I don't know, it just but there just seems to be that kind of it's to go to. Whereas yeah. like I said, it's sometimes logic, and I know it's a swear word sometimes, dictates that. Yeah, I agree. I, I, do you know what? I, the, the supportive thing that I'd say is I don't think it's need to feel superior. 
I honestly think it's need to not feel inferior. Yeah. And it's just, it doesn't come from anything that people do. I can't, I've never seen many comments of people that make anybody think, oh, do you know what? I'm better than you. It's just reading far too into things. Like, I think someone asked the question on the Steelers Orange Army page, should there be something that clubs can do to say thank you to the people who didn't ask for their money back for the last few games of the season? Instantly, well, what if I want something that I've not been able to, to, to let them keep my money? But what if I want that? I, I, I want to go to club event. Well, that's great. Other people have lost out on money. Are you telling me that the club can't say thank you to them? without having to say thank you to everyone else who didn't, just in case they might offend someone. I don't know. It's a rabbit hole we're going down. Yes. I said it's a rabbit hole that we're going down on this one. It's where Andy normally says other holes are available, but That's he's not waiting for. I'm not with it. Other holes are available. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah, anyway. Um, move on? Yeah. Move on. CHL, Dave. Off you go. <laughs> and a lot better prepared than last week. So, we have had the quarterfinals. Um, I'm just going to go through the end result, not the both scores from both legs. Uh, for Lunda, Alexand, shock horror, for Lunda are in another semi final, uh, winning 8 5 on aggregate. Uh, Rogler v Sparta Prague. Rogler, their first ever season in the CHL are semi-finalists. They're winning the first leg, losing the second leg, but not enough. Uh, Sparta didn't get that extra goal second, but they, Rogler went 6-5 in overtime. Uh, Ruan uh, really gave it to Tapara, uh, but Tapara just showed their, their dominance, winning the tie 7-3, winning the final leg in Ruan 4-0. And the closest one was uh, Red Bull Munich against... Um, Luca Rama, uh, Munich winning in overtime. Clearly, Luca are not a two-leg team. They can only do it in one leg. Um, Bolzano probably was laughing their socks off with seeing them get knocked out. Um, so we're now down to the final four. And the ties are as follows. Uh, Red Bull will face Tapara, and Roglic will face Frilunda. Now, we all know that the, the team with the best record... Um, hosts the final. So it's not like decided, predetermined. As it currently stands, for Lunda would host, if they went made the final, they would host the final. But obviously, with a few... Sorry? When they make the final. Yeah, well, you know, Rogler, they've bloodied a few noses. Um, who knows? When they make the final. But we we all think it is when they met the final, and I hope if they do met the final, they host it. It's back in the Scandinavian, because when they played Munich and thirteen and a half thousand, it was sellout. That were just a fantastic. Um, so as it stands on the, it's based on how many points you get in the group stage and the knockout round. Um, Fulham would host the final. So that is uh, next month. I think the finals the second week of February. Um, which will be on Free Sport. I know one of the semi-final legs will be on Free Sport, so keep an eye on that. Um, also on YouTube. 
or YouTube, yes. If it's if it's not uh, a game that's on um, free sport, it'll be through the the CHL's YouTube channel. So yeah, and just the other piece of European uh, Cup news: um, Alborg uh, will be hosting the final of the of the super final, as it's now called, of the Continental Cup. Um, and we all hope that Alborg win, and if they win the Connor Cup, they'll be off to the CHL. And who fancies a summer trip to Alborg to watch one of them in the CHL? See Captain Dindong. Captain Dindong. Dindong. It's for him. Didn't get a photo of Captain Dindong. If you don't know who Captain Dindong is, do research. That's all I'm going to say. Um, what a legend he is. So yeah, Alborg will be hosting it, and uh, I hope they make the final. Uh, not me. I hope they win the thing and get make the CHL. Because they're in the final. Surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, Alborg will be hosting it. But in fairness, the way they hosted the, the semi-final uh, weekend when Sheffield was involved, it's not surprising. They put on a good show. They gave a lot for the fans. Um, they looked after the fans. It was safe. Never felt well, apart from Joe and his conga line. Um, it was and a, the uh, the Alborg stain. The Al- listen, we'll not talk about the Alborg stain. We'll uh, talk about a frigging conga line. Because that's fine. That's that's fair game. Um, but yeah, they, 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 they was a good host. So all the best to Alborg. And uh, yeah, at the final, we'll uh, get down to Stansted, get the direct flight to Alborg and uh, go watch some CHL. That's what we could have changed as EasyJet flights to. No, because it was Ryanair. Well, I mean, we could still try and see this. <laughs> Oh, it's been so, a long yeah. That's the European hockey news for now. Um, we'll close the European hockey news off on, on Andy's favourite phrase of we hope that we can say congratulations to Alborg. <laughs> say it before any of you guys do. You just thought uh, Joe was a bit upset with that, Gref, wouldn't you? I know. I know. Never came into my mind of saying that. Likewise. Never. So I'm just, I'm just going to move on. Um, I'm never going to move on, that's the thing. I, I'm fully aware of that. We're going to conga line anyway. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to say, yeah, I'm going to conga line away from that one. Um, discussion group is what I've got written down next. Um, we need to come up with a catchy, catchy name for this section of the podcast now that's going to become a regular thing. Glad to see everyone's coming up with ideas. Anyway, discussion group. We'll let you know. We've got some. Uh, we've got some questions. I think uh, I'm going to throw it to you, Dave. I think you've got them written down. Okay, uh, and it's all from one person, Joe Shires. Thank you very much. Um, so he asks if you was able to to put in a new franchise in the NHL, and he also we tweet a little bit for the UK. We'll do the NHL first. If you was to be able to put in a new franchise for the NHL, what would be your team's name? So obviously location, but what would you call it? Let's start with Gref. So for the NHL, I've gone with the Letterkenny Shamrocks with their captain, Shawzy, assistant captain, Riley and Jones. Solid. For the British franchise... I've gone for a small town near Plymouth, the Crapstone Chargers. 
And that's the level that we're going to descend to. Joseph, over to you. Uh, I, I am not a subscriber of Letterkenny, so I've just come up with a random city in uh, in America and a random name to go with it. So I'm going with the San Francisco Squirrels because I think they'd have a hilarious looking jersey. <laughs> um, so yeah, and I think that'd be great. Uh, my British franchise, I've gone on a similar, as I might surprise you, I've gone on a similar kind of line to Gref in trying to find an unfortunately named village uh, in the UK. Uh, mine is located, uh, it is actually a, a village and former civil parish uh, in the Cotswold district, uh, and that would be the Lower Swell Swallows. Andy, save us. Give us something a bit more eyebrow. Um, don't fucking do that. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yes. In terms of NHL, um, I think I think New Orleans would be a pretty uh, fun market to work with. Yes. Uh, team name undecided. Cause I'm not sure what would really go with that. The New Orleans Undecided. That sounds like a good, like... New Orleans Jazz. We're playing the Undecided today. That's not bad. Sound like a team of lovable rogues. Sorry, I don't don't even know what's going on now. (laughs) Yeah, so definitely a team of New Orleans for... For British. um, I've got two. One, one is a D. Go on, have two. One is a actual, you know. One, one is a probable answer. The other one is isn't. So I'll go with my probable probable one. Uh, and I think Liverpool would be a pretty good. So it's not a docky before. Maybe it'd be a fun market to work with. Um, team name. Something to do with the Beatles, so I think Ice Beatles or something like that. I don't know. Liverpool Lennons, and it's just John Lennon. Lennons. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Or the other one, um, the Crackpot Crackheads. There's a town in, in, in the Dales called Crackpot. Uh, I just sort of goes. This is why you are, we are not allowed nice things. No. Um, so my NHL team, uh, I well, obviously had a, a slight discussion beforehand, and I think the Letterkenny Shamrocks, which probably would have the best jersey in the NHL, they need rivals. So we head to Quebec, and we would have the Quebec Eagles. Um, I just think that would be, hey, Quebec needs the NHL back anyway, but I think they need to be the, the Eagles. I'm not sure if they should be the Nordiques. Colorado's got that market sorted now. Um, just on their third alternate jersey. In the UK, I'd, I'd head to the coast, and I'd return top level to Blackpool. I'd have the Blackpool Tigers. don't think they were called the Tigers initially, but I'd have, the, but I'd have it back in Blackpool. So I know that the Phoenix played in Flyde for a bit when they couldn't sell many bricks. Uh, it was out of Manchester. Uh, but no, I'd have top flight hockey back in, in Blackpool. 
What do you know? Double headed Blackpool. I think it'd be better in lower swell. Crap still. Can I can I give a second one? Because Andy got to give a second one. Oh, go on then, Joseph. I'm going to go with... It's <laughs> uh, Yorkshire Town. Um, in the civil parish of East Riding of Yorkshire. Uh, and I'm going to go with the Wet Wang Buckets. <laughs> the next question asked... Uh... <laughs> I'd definitely buy a jersey of them. Definitely need a wet man's buckets jersey. <laughs> and there's a sentence I never thought I'd say. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so the next question. If there was an NHL player, uh, current or, we'll say past, we'll say two or three years retired, that you could take and put into your elite league team, who would it be? Quick answers. Andy, Go. You're on mute. mate. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, for, for me, um, Victor Hedman. I mean, uh, for a third defenseman, he, he puts up incredible amount of points. You know, he, he puts up points, he blocks shots, he's not afraid to get physical when he needs to, he puts in good hits. And he's, and he's a two-time Stanley Cup champion. So, uh, what could go wrong there? I mean, just solid all around. Sorry? No one cares about them cup wins. That's true. <laughs> the last one was shambolic. Very shambolic. Um, yeah. With some of the opposition. be good shout. Some of the opposition had uh, scum like behaviour. Uh, Joseph, over to you. Couldn't help myself there. I very nearly said uh, Hedman myself. I'm not going to lie. So I'm going to tip of the cap to Andy on that one. So I, I agree with that. However, I think what this league needs is someone to rival Lyndon Springer. In, uh, in how much he gets a mention on social media. So obviously, uh, and also I will say that because my dad listens to this podcast every time we do, and there are probably two players in the NHL that I could mention that would probably result in my dad swearing at the radio. Uh, the first one of those is Alex Ovechkin, which it isn't. However, the second one of those who I think would really be a rival to Lyndon Springer and how much he gets mentions on social media, of course, it is the big 43, Tom Wilson. Oh. Over to you. See, I went with a, a past player. He's been retired for a little bit now. He's a, a former NHL All-Star player. So he did play for Buffalo, then? Oh, he did. <laughs> he did. Oh, so you had to dig into the retired players for that one, then? We, we said oh, two three years in the 90s, mate. Well, this player was John Scott, so it's not the 90s. Yes. <laughs> Uh, mine is I'm going Pittsburgh and I don't like being Pittsburgh yeah right all their fans just you know they, they can't get out the ha- the doors when they've mentioned Pittsburgh the Eagles I don't, know, I don't like it no seriously one of the guys who I love watching play um, and it's not well, I do enjoy watching Crosby Tavares um, yeah, plays in, in Toronto mate. he does play in Toronto but I said Pittsburgh first so you kind of your geography is a bit wrong there, mate. You may need to look at a map. I know there's a teammate of ours who knows how to look at a map and could point you in the right direction. Uh, but actually, I'm looking at one of the Russians uh, in Facebook, Evgeny Malkin. Scores, physical, he'd be a hit in the Elite League. Not that Crosby won't, 
but Malkin would be definitely up there. But I must admit, there's four players that that, that, that would be box office if you could get them uh, in the Elite League. Um, imagine the Twitter meltdown. John Scott and Tom Wilson. Yeah. Oh, the Twitter meltdown. How many C-bombs, and we're talking classy, would be mentioned in a season? That depends. Would John Scott make the All-Star game? We haven't we we got um, a press conference to do it, so now it won't be. <laughs> so, there you NHL um, players. Um, one of your questions was, who's your favourite Brit and why? Very quick description is why. So, Gref, over to you. See, I've put Robert Dowd. The reason being, he's... It's just a really good player to watch. Even against yourselves in the elite, against against Storm or against any other team in the Elite League, or even watching him play for GB. Just all-around all good player. Andy? Funny you mention that, Graf, because I've gone with Robert Dowd as well. Uh, a player of I've been watching for many, many years and I still remember his, his first season in Sheffield wearing number 15. Um, you know, just such a great player to watch. You know, he, he can break the ankles of defenders. He works the corners really well. He, he just always finds himself in the right place and just a, just a great guy off the ice as well. I mean, there's, there's not a lot to say. You know, just one of those great all-round guys and one that I've really, really looked up to since quite a young age. Solid pick for the pair of you. Joe, over to you. I'm going a different route and it's going to get me called names. Um, Josh Tetlow, young player, solid oh, at the back, oh. throws, uh, throws his body in. I've been saying for the last three years that I'd like to see him in the Steelers jersey, so had to be Tetlow. He's in a Panther shirt, so you know he's got the home team shirt, so he should be happy, shouldn't you? Yeah? I'm just not even going to... I just have nothing to say to that. <laughs> uh, my uh, British player is is the captain, Jonathan Phillips. Concert professional. Leads, by example. Drags teams on his back. Done well for club and country. Um, and even at his age, who can skate as quick as he can do and with the injuries he's had definitely uh, um, a player that yeah definitely one that I enjoy watching the most Dowd very much skillful Tetlow great player very much in the prospect I mean with this, there's a two or three that we that could have easily mentioned but uh, um, some good, good picks there gents and the last question individually who is the player on your team that's the most influential? Very quick description why. But we'll start with Joseph. Uh, Ollie Betteridge. No, I'm joking. Um, he's no, not. obviously, he's a big Steelers player. And uh, it has to be, I can't say his name properly, but for me, it's Diane Todd. I just think he's a solid D-man. He um, doesn't put a lot of Hardly ever puts a foot wrong. He's solid at the back. Um, great puck mover moving forwards as well. I think he's been a great player for us this year. Cool. Greg? 
See, I've got two players down. One's a forward, one's a D. McNulty. One player. So I'm going to pick the D-man. McNulty. No, Springer. No, it's not Springer. Please say it's... I'll pick the other one. It's not Dallas. Good. It's Zach Sullivan. He's... Doesn't really put many of a foot wrong. He's calm on the puck. Tries to make plays when it can happen. Plays a solid defensive game. And he doesn't really get the the accolades that you'd expect. Because he, he just does it and then gets gets on with it. Gets off and just goes, right, that's me done. Let me have a little breather. Right, I'll get back on. Doesn't really want the attention, but plays brilliantly. Fair play. Andy? My apologies, but I'm, I'm going to be a homer again. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure there'll be a lot of a lot of other, you know, fans in the league that will, that will appreciate why because of his efforts with GB. I mean, he's, he's not just GB's captain. Well, Steelers and GB's captain, but just, just he's one of those those people like when he speaks in a room you can't help but just listen you know uh, he's he's not been as successful as he has as a captain for nothing because every, every team talk he gives every you know speech he gives he, he always seems to get the best out of players especially not just Sheffield but GB as well and you know he's a massive part of both those puzzles as to why both teams have, have done fantastic both domestically and internationally uh, don't matter if you've been on a team uh, with his place for, for, for a few days or, or a few years he always you know seems to find the, the energy and, and the words to pick up players when things seem bleak as we've seen many times with GB you know uh, and I can't think of anyone more influential than Jonathan Phillips. You're not being a homer, mate. The question was who's been the most influential on your team. Ah, oh, fair enough then. That's fine. <laughs> That's why I'm getting a bit confused when you said I'm going homer because I know exactly who's like your team. <laughs> that was the whole point. Um, mine is for heartbeat. Gets the energy. Um, Martin Tempier. No, it weren't him, unfortunately. And you could tell his absence. Kripke? Who? Kripke? No. Oh. It's uh, Tanner Eberle. Um, I, as much as we, Sheffield's had some great players in the time that Eberle's been in, in Orange, I, I don't see a player that can just get some energy going as much and as well as he has. Um, we've seen big games, the Challenge Cup final... Um, good evening Matt Myers um, and other big games where he when Sheffield have been down and low in terms of the spark he's the person there that, that creates it um, can get goals um, and just an all around for me he's that one person you, you know he's in the team because the team he, he's one of them players that's kind of get on my back I'm taking you to the next level and you can see the team perform better when he's on the rink compared to not. So he's one, for me, who's the most influential one. So 
Again, some, some good players here. You mentioned Jens, well done. Um, and thanks, Joe, for the questions. Uh, oh, you, you're very welcome. Um, On the podcast. There we go. Hey. And we'll, we'll get more again. We'll get some more questions, hopefully next week, if we do it next week. Uh, we'll need to work that one out. But uh, thanks, Joe, and others who have chucked questions in uh, last week as well. So uh, that's the discussion group bit done. Joe, we also apologise for not taking the franchise question quite as seriously as you probably intended it. <laughs> but hopefully some of these village names gave you the giggle that it gave us. <laughs> he, if he thought it was going to be taken that seriously, yeah, he you've learned a lesson there. Right, do you know what the best thing is now? I've just got a Google page which is just telling me the weirdest names. <laughs> um... Also, just one last observation from that. It was quite nice to see that I wasn't the only one that nearly said he doesn't put many feet wrong and then realised that that didn't make sense because, Gref, I heard you trip over the same thing. And that's, <laughs> like, no, that's not right. Um, anyway, I'm going to throw it over to someone else now because we've only got two things left on the agenda. The person I'm going to throw it over to is Mr Andy Stafford because it's time for Stafford Stats. Okay, um, so I'm just going to go with League because I don't think there's been any much Challenge Cup action, to be honest. No, it's been uh, no. that's good then. Right, so on to the League standings. We have in first place Sheffield with 26 points in 16. In second, we have Belfast, 20 points in 15. In third, we've got Cardiff with 19 from 16. In fourth is, is Guildford with 19 from 18. In fifth, we've got Nottingham with 16 points from 14 games. Uh, in sixth, we've got Manchester with 16 points from 17 games. Uh, in seventh, we've got Dundee with 13 from 17. Uh, in eighth, we've got Glasgow with 11 points in 11 games. Uh, and ninth, we've got Coventry who've really slipped down the table recently. Uh, 11 points in 13 games. Uh, lastly, in 10th place, we've got Fife with 10 points from 17 games. And a bit of a change at the top again in terms of top point scorers. We've got Scott Conway for Belfast. He has 24 points. Uh, in second, again, the Belfast player, JG P- JJ Picnic. He has 22 points. Uh, in Fife's Michael McNicholas has 21 points. Brody Reed with 20 points. And Marco Valarand with 20 points. And uh, just have a look at the goalies. Uh, leading that one is Rock Stanovitz from Steelers. He has 94.1. Uh, Matt Carruth is in second with 93.3. Gilbert's Kevin Linsgug has 92.4. Uh, Glasgow's Shane Starrett has 92.2. And Belfast Jackson Whistle has 92.0. There's one thing to pick up when you just said about Stanovitz on 94.1. 1.9 goals against average in nine games. That's insanity. Amazing, isn't it? It is. Um, but yeah, anyway, I still I take a, I take an objection towards the fact that you're saying JJ Picnic, but you won't say Bakashihua. Just say. Prospects has said he's Bakashua. I'm pretty sure Prospects <laughs> has said Picnic, but it's still it's Bakashihua. Bakashihua. <laughs> How is Bakashihua doing? Uh, Cash is doing pretty good. No, Bakashihua. <laughs> He's an extra from... I don't know. Oh, no, it's in there. Never mind. <laughs> we can't get on the Bakashihua train, then that's fine. We'll just move on. <laughs> um, when do you see it's available for that one? Because no, Bugger's getting on there. 
God, it's like we, we it's like we're on a train from Rumstead to Copenhagen and someone has caused the swift evacuation of the train. Um, ah. Anyway, uh, predictions, boys. Last thing on the agenda. Uh, I'm sure uh, two hours and ten minutes will be glad to hear. Um, I've written them down this time because I actually did some prep. So, um, miracles do happen. It's like a Christmas miracle. All right, Griff. <laughs> I'll accept it from Dan. Sass is back. Griff, we've been listening to Sass, haven't we, Andy? Yeah, Dave, Dave's actually turned up for the last three weeks. I'll give Dave some validity in his comment. Just, just hype down. Um, <laughs> Manchester Glasgow on Saturday in Manchester, boys. This is also a fair night as well. You see, that's a shutout. Huh? Yep, probably. But I've got five three Glasgow. I've got four two Glasgow. What was yours, Dave? Sorry. Four two two the Clan. Thank you. I was going to go with that. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. What's stopping you? Four two. <laughs> four two Glasgow. Human rights, is it? Just, just, Honestly, my trials went differently for good. No, couldn't think of some of the scores. You do that in any, walk, in any walk of your life, not just the predictions. If you go 4-2, you go 4-2. Okay. And that, it's you. your right to go 4-2 if you want to go 4-2. And no one can tell you you're not a proper fan if you don't go 4 Sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm going Glasgow 3-0 because I want to soon get shot out on a teddy bear toss night. <laughs> Someone's going to do it. <laughs> and it's not us this year. Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> uh, Coventry Guildford in Coventry. I was wondering why no one was saying anything. Then I was like, I'd read out the next game. Coventry 4-1. Uh, I'm going Coventry 5-4 in overtime. What was yours, Nate? 4-1. To oh. the Blaze. Blaze. Good stuff. Sorry, you said Guildford. Right, no, it's... Um, oh, Guildford 5-3. Oh, okay. Ooh. Guildford 4-2. Overreliable. 4-2. Um, Cardiff Sheffield in Cardiff. Sheffield 5-2. Sheffield 4-2. Oh, Cat. Sheffield 3 2. Oh. Oh. Cardiff 4 3. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fife Dundee in Fife. Another 5 2. At this time, the Dundee. Dundee 4 2. 315. Uh. <laughs> What's this ground called, bro? <laughs> um, Dundee 5 3. Uh, that's Saturday's games. Dundee, Sunday, we've got Glasgow, Cardiff in Glasgow. Cardiff 5 3. Cardiff 3 1
Cardiff 5-2. Let's go 5-4. Ooh. Ooh, cat. Um, Dundee Coventry in Dundee. Dundee 3-2. Dundee 5-4. Dundee 4-3 in overtime. Coventry 4-2. Guildford 5 in Guildford. Guildford to win 4-2. Guildford to win 6-2. Oh, Guildford 5 2. Oh, okay. Um, I'm with Andy on that one. Guildford 5 2. Oh. Uh, Wednesday. What? Sheriff. <laughs> <laughs> Wednesday, Belfast, Guildford in Belfast, if they're playing. Assuming they're playing Belfast to win 5 1. Yeah, assuming, assuming they are playing 3-2 Belfast. Belfast 4-3. Uh, Belfast 4-2. They nearly said Guildford, though. Uh, Sheffield Glasgow in Sheffield. What's going for that game? <laughs> Sheffield 5 1. Not a true fan, are you, Dave? No. I'm going Sheffield 4 1. Sheffield 4 1 2. Uh, Sheffield 5 2. Coventry 5 in Coventry. Coventry 7-2. Bit of Len Goodman before Christmas. Coventry 5-2. Coventry 5-1. Coventry 4-1. Uh, Cardiff, Manchester in Cardiff. Cardiff 3-2. Cardiff 4-3. Cardiff 4-2. Cardiff 5-1. That's it, boys. Last of the games until Boxing Day. Um, like we said we need to figure out what we're doing next week but we could go up for predictions forever at the minute I think if we just carry on going so we'll stop at those for now um, yeah anything else that anybody wants to add apart from our socials nothing else man forgot about that yeah at MSZ podcast on Instagram and Twitter <laughs> my fancies and bony podcast on Facebook uh, obviously if you're in the discussions group feel free to ask away any questions that you've got 
Um, if you're not and you want to be, can you just join? I can't remember. Can, you can, yeah. If you search my fancy Burnley discussion group, uh, search request to join, and we'll look at you and we'll see if it's viable and we'll let you in. If not, we'll kick you out. So we'll let you in. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Yeah. The borders are open for now. <laughs> <laughs> We're not friends. Brilliant. Right, boys, I think I, that's it. Um, and Gref, nice of you to join us back after a couple of weeks of, uh, of, of break. Yeah, it's been good to be back and talk great hockey with you guys. Can't wait to see Crapstone Chargers play. It's going to be a good time. Crapstone Chargers versus Wet Wang Buckets. I can't wait. What a game. Let's go Buckets. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much, Joe. Um, thanks, Dave. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, everyone listening at home. Uh, and, yeah, I, I guess it's another weekend of just drinking at home instead of Belfast, but oh well. It's a very depressing way to finish the podcast. Just bloody hell. You're welcome. Dave, I'm looking for a cheery exit now, mate. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. Uh, good luck with your cheery exit. No, thank you very much, Joe. Uh, thank you for your preparation this week. Um, cheers to Graf. Cheers to Andy. I'm looking forward to um, the Letter Kenny Quebec derby. Uh, that'll be. Uh, one for the ages. Uh, thanks to all those who listen. And I, I lost the words as to why you're still listening uh, at this uh, length of the podcast, but you still are, so thank you. Um, and yeah, hopefully we get one before Christmas. Yeah. Maybe we could get some uh, dodgy shirts, the jump, jumpers, a bit of Santa hats. Hey, it's got to be done, hasn't it? Mince pies, brandy, whatever other stuff you have at Christmas. Turkey. Generic. I don't have turkey. You know. You don't have turkey, do I never understand why we have turkey. It's, it's rubbish and dry. So, you know. Because you have like, a turkey meal for like nine days afterwards. It's like, there's only so many turkey pasta bakes you can have before you go, just put it in the bin. That's true. Why, what do you have then? Um, we tend to have like uh, beef, chicken, pork. Always going to have beef. Um, this year we we kind of doing something we did last year. Um, last year it's because one half of the house couldn't eat, but it was that good. We're doing it again, and we're just having pork sandwiches on the Christmas day, and and having like the proper meal, probably Christmas Eve actually. Um, all the trimmings and uh, get the uh, the crackers out, the party hats, um, read the rubbish jokes, and yeah, uh, looking forward to it now. It's nearly here. What about you guys? Gref, what do you have? Uh, well, sometimes turkey. I don't mind that. Uh, chicken, beef, pigs in blankets, oh, potatoes. potatoes. Blankets. You know. That's pretty much it. And then have it again the next day. Then maybe the next day after. Standard stuff. Andy, what about you? Might as well just go around um, before we go. I'm not quite sure what 
we're having this year. Um, I suppose turkey, the trimmings, Yorkshire puds, you know, rice potatoes, parsnips, peas, carrots, mash. What's something like that? Book standard for us, normal trimmings, turkey, Yorkshire puds, roasties. Um, I think it's usually mash as an option as well, as well as roast roasties. That's a very Christmas dinnery thing to do, isn't it? Have yeah. mash and roasts. Um, Yorkshire puddings are a big one. I don't understand why people fall on the other side of having Yorkshire puddings on a Christmas dinner. Got to have Yorkshire puddings on a Christmas dinner. Has its place on a dinner table? Got to. Griff? Definitely. It's like a, it's basically a, like a Sunday dinner, but more glorified. Exactly. It's Christmas Day. Don't mess with tradition. Exactly. Exactly. Well, whatever you have on your Christmas dinner, enjoy. Is this way to finish it? Um, enjoy it. If we don't have another podcast by then, have a good Christmas. Um, thank you to everybody that's been listening. Um, yeah, keep an eye out on social media to see when we're next podcasting. We might post it. We might not. Usually, I don't because I forget. So uh, yeah, that's it. I'll put the wrong number. Yeah. I'll put the wrong number. Ah, uh, yeah, I know. That's just. Yeah. Been a few bit, has it? Yeah, no, it's been a long week. For those days. I think I think my week is summarised by Belfast getting cancelled. Yeah, in fairness. So, but yeah. Anyway, everyone listening, if we don't have another podcast, have a good Christmas. If we do have another podcast, have a good week. And uh, yeah, we'll see you for another episode of My Fancy Zamboni. <laughs>